At the end of the day, when you're all alone in the dark, the only thing that counts is this, the law. And you will be alone when you swear to uphold these ideals. For most of us, there's only dust in the streets. For the few of us that survived to old age, the proud loneliness of the long walk. A walk that every judge must take outside these city walls, into the unknown, and there spend your last remaining days taking law to the lawless. This is what it means to be a judge. This is the commitment I expect. Judgment time. Hello and welcome to the premiere Judge Dread podcast on the internet. Dread or dead, I'm Dave. I'm here with Adam the computer. Adam, how are you going? Oh, I'm doing just great, Dave. I uh, While I was waiting on you here, I was cleaning up my desktop. Sure. A long overdue um, <laughs> job, so that felt good. I thought you were going to say you were cleaning the streets of crime, Dread style. Yeah, yeah that too, that too. You know. I've got to say... Dread is apart from Punisher. Dread is one guy where finally I'm like, good, this guy's taking it the the necessary distance. You know what I'm saying with Dread? Like, finally a character that's not pulling back at all. Uh, this is a guy who's dedicated to the law, 100 percent of the time. There's no like backsliding. Your kind of guy. He is. Yeah. He's 100. percent It's him and it's him and Frank Castle. They're, they're basically by themselves, and they're like, yeah, we we take it all the fucking way. You know. <laughs> Now, um, this is a very special episode of uh, of Dread or Dead. We're doing Judgment Day, a fantastic Garth Ennis epic, actually, from when Garth Ennis was on 2000 AD in the early 90s. Um, and also, prior to that, we're doing... Because one of my favourite characters in 2000 AD is Johnny Alpha, Strontium Dog. One of my... Easily one of my favourite characters. Um, and this is the classic storyline where Johnny Alpha teams up with Judge Dredd uh, in, a, in, a, in a massive epic. And um, this, is, this was such a big fucking deal at the time, man, when we were reading the comics because these characters, probably two of them, well, Dredd's the most popular, but Johnny Alpha wasn't far behind at all. Alan Grant wrote a lot of his stories. And um, to have these two guys together was like a dream. You know, I was like 13 or 14, whatever I was. I don't know how old I was, but I was just so excited by this whole thing, man. Like, and we're also doing the prelude story uh, called Top Dogs, where Johnny Arthur and Wolf, who's his um, partner, go to Mega City 1 on a mission. And I thought that was a good one to put in because it's technically the very first meeting with Dredd. Um, yeah, I think that was yeah. a good one. Um, I was going to ask, you know, mm. uh, did these guys meet up? often you know i think these no. you said the first one and then i don't know maybe the second one but does it did it become a more no regular occurrence no and i can give you a little bit of backstory um so just I, i'm going to give a bit of backstory listeners so but before the events of judgment day um i like in in real time years a couple of years two two years maybe there'd been a big event in Judge Dredd called Necropolis, which involved the Dark Judges, which we've we've, we've done before on um, Dread or Dead, like Judge Death, Fire, Mortis, uh-huh. and Fear, and also the Sisters of Death, which were phobia, uh, phobia and Nausea. Anyway, they in essence, they just decimated Mega City 1. They killed like 300 or 600 million people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, before they were defeated. But it was a, it was a very, very tough battle, 
And it was a mega epic, just like this is. And um, so, in essence, that happened, and that's why there are so many dead just outside the city walls because there was too many to send to recycle. And um, so that that impacts this storyline because a lot. Um, Dread at one point says we've got six or a billion buried just outside the city walls, and that impacts this story, which is essentially a zombie story. Now, so that covers the Judge Dread background, and and portions of the wall were still in ruins because it was only a couple of years after, like so it had been a really massive event. Now, in, in so that's Judge Dread. Now, Johnny Alpha, Stronium Dog, uh, had never crossed over, prior to Top Dogs, had never crossed over with um, Judge Dredd. He was technically a little bit in the future, and I think it was assumed that really he was in, you know, a separate sort of timeline, if you know what I mean. Like, there was never... Like a a different continuity. Different continuity. There was never any real hints of anything between the two. They were just two very popular characters in 2008. Mm -hmm. Now, Alan Grant... Um, was the primary writer on Strontium Dog. Um, you know, Alan Grant from, obviously, his Judge Red work, his Batman work, et cetera, et cetera, Lobo, everything. Did, you know. he, did he create um, Strontium Dog? Uh, it might have been John Wagner with Carlos Esquizara. Um, who yes, could... looks like it was. Yeah. Jo- John Wagner uh, was also Alan Grant's writing partner. Alan Grant definitely, with John Wagner, wrote a huge bulk of the storylines and at a certain point then took over the writing of Strontium Dog permanently. Um, So it's all a bit murky, but um, he'd been writing it for years uh, with John Wagner. Now, by this time period, which was around 1992, I think, in 1992 in in, real time, uh, Mm -hmm. Strontium Dog... Johnny Alpha very controversially had been killed in the comics. Um, So what this storyline is was, I think, and it was very unpopular. You know what I mean? It was killing, it was almost like killing Judge Dredd. It was, this was a, this was a out and out 2000 AD superstar where they'd done so many good storylines and he was killed pretty controversially. And, um, so, and it left them in a real pickle because they tried to reboot it with other people. I won't bore you with it, but it never worked. You know, like it just, it just was doomed from that day onwards. Now, what they've done in this storyline and also in the Top Dog storyline is they've taken the storyline from before he died. Oh, okay. Yes. So, by 92, he'd been dead, you know, a year or two, extremely unpopular. Uh, decision, and so they brought him, probably quite cleverly, brought him into this storyline and just said, well, this takes place before he died. And he... So, yeah, yeah, I guess since he can time travel, they can do that kind of thing. Well, if you think about it, it's not even time travel because it's like they just told us... From his time period, if you you remember, in the first storyline with Top Dogs, him and Wolf, Mm -hmm. who was killed a few years previously as well, so Wolf was killed... At some point, probably around eighty-seven or eighty-eight, so he'd been a long oh. time, he'd been a long time business partner of Johnny Alpha. Like they, they were, they were partners. So, um, at a, in a really good storyline, which we will eventually do, he's killed, and it's sent he by a baddie, and it, it's like a western, and it sent Johnny Alpha on a massive mission of revenge, um, and. You know, it, it really dialed up a notch with when that happened. Now, in Top Dogs, in that story, uh, they've done the same thing. It's 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 a storyline before Wolf has died. 
So yeah, that's interesting because I know in the second one, yes. both characters dead. So, yes, yes. Yeah, they. He, but technically, both characters were already dead. And yeah, in the continuity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like you know, and and so interesting. Now there may have been uh, certainly when I was reading, there wasn't any more um, crossovers, and I don't think there are any. There might be like a panel in some weird, bizarre storyline, I think, called Helter Skelter. They, they, they might have met up somewhere, like, you know, in like almost like a dream sequence kind of thing. But in essence, no, they're essentially two separate strips that just cross over. And I think the very nature of how brief, how sort of brief and rare it is makes it all the better, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, you know, a lot of companies would be like, you know, we got to do this all the time. Uh, yes, uh, 2008 D did a little bit with their characters, but generally very little. Um, like more, sometimes it was quite subtle. So there's, I won't bore you with it all, but that's basically this is their main one. Now, in terms of Astronium Dog, just to give you the pitch for it, and we're going to do a, uh, next next Dread or Dead we'll do, which won't be too long away, we'll do Astronium Dog interlude and we'll just pick a normal Astronium Dog story. So Johnny Alpha... And all the strontium dogs are mutants because the Earth in the future, which is like about 60 years more in the future than Dread, has completely been decimated by nuclear war. Um, and mm. heaps of mutants have come about due to the nuclear wars. And Johnny, and, and most of the mutants, their, uh, their mutations are really quite significant, if you know what I mean. Like they're quite sort of crazy looking kind of thing all the time. And they seem to have, like, powers, where I feel like normally in the Dread, when you have a mutant, it just means they're ugly. Yeah, and that, in, in fairness, that is actually also more the case in um, Strontium Dog. Okay. They're normally just... It's the same artist, Carlos Esquizara, so he will draw just weird-looking, you know, like you might have, like, a crayfish head on a human or something. You know what I mean? Like, okay. it's, it's, it's bizarre. Do, do they stuff. all have, like, powers, though? No, like, no. Okay, okay. Most of them don't. They're just physical mutations. Like, they might have extra legs or feet, you know, feet, stuff like that. Johnny Alpha does have some powers, but they're not many. So, in essence, he's just, like, a badass gunslinger. And the thing with the mutants is they're really excluded from normal society, um, and one of their only options to get out of the ghettos is to become bounty hunters with the Stronium Dog Agency, and they literally are just bounty hunters where they take bounties, go and you know kill people, or bring them back for money. It's one of the ways out of the poverty cycle for mutants. Now, Johnny Alpha is one of the best of the best, and he's kind of got a bit of a heart of gold, which you probably don't see as much in this storyline, but he's kind of like an all-round badass, but he's actually quite a nice guy. Um, yeah, and, um, like, so, you know, unlike Dread, who's kind of, like, often betrayed as without any emotions and stuff, Johnny Alpha, although he's really tough, is actually a bit of a nicer guy, you know, like, he's, he's a bit lighter, he's a bit more funny, etc., like, and he's just nicer in general, so, um, that's the character, now, his powers are, a lot of it's his gadgets, so he's got, like, his, his blaster, where he calls out, like, number four cartridge and all those different weapons he's got, uh, he has the time bombs, which he, which is a common thing with him, where he gives a time bomb to someone, and it sends them back in time, or, you know, after the Earth has moved on, and they sometimes explode into space and stuff, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. It is cool. Um, his actual power, it's, his eyes are red, so his, his actual, um, his actual deformity, because otherwise he looks fully normal human, is his eyes are red, and he can do things like, he's got, got like, 
low level mind reading and he can he does it in this storyline he he can distract someone with kind of a fear that something's behind them stuff like that like sort of minor misdirection powers but they're actually quite helpful sometimes in the picture battle and uh, i think you can see through walls as well sort of like a it's like low level x-ray vision if you know what i mean um so there his his power set is it's not huge and it's not actually a massive factor in tons of stories um it, it's more just like a little assist but his eyes are actually blazing red so he generally will wear these kind of sunglasses these kind of shades on his eyes a lot of the time um when he's trying to when he's out of strontium dog uniform when he's in strontium dog uniform the galaxy knows they're they're, they're bounty hunters etc etc i had a really cool figure of strontium dog actually which unfortunately got lost in a move that I, that i got that i always really liked um because he's actually got quite a cool uniform um yeah yeah so that in essence i hope that explains the character wolf is just a viking um who he picked up with on a time travel trip back to viking times and wolf came with him into the future and he's actually a viking um Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that is I was cool. looking too. I see a story called uh, "By Private Contract." Uh, it was in 2000 AD, issue number 2000. Right. And it um, had uh, Dread and Johnny Alpha meeting again. So. Oh, let's. Maybe we we'll, we'll do, do that, that next, next time. time. Yeah. Okay. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't read that one. I have not read that one. Um. And like I said, this is after I stopped reading. Um, I thought they, I knew they hadn't met much, but I wouldn't have surprised me if there's a little meeting somewhere. Let's hope it's a good meeting because sometimes when they do these re, well, sometimes when they go back to the well, it can be a little, mm, yeah. under, it can be a little underwhelming. And the, yeah, I get the feeling this one's, uh, just like a little one shot, but, uh, cool. Well, yeah. next, next time we'll do that on our Strontium Dog interlude episode. We'll definitely do that one. Um, there's another storyline, which I know Neil Matthews wants us to do, called Helter Skelter, which I've never read, but I think involves, like, a lot of the 2008 characters in kind of a big mashup, and I think that would be a really cool story. I just want to give us a bit more background before we do that story. Um, it's also another Garth Ennis, uh, story as well. And it's interesting with Garth Ennis, because this is before Preacher. Um, it's even before Hitman. It's before he made it really big. Uh, in the States, he, he had this stint on 2000 AD and he was very much... He's quite critical of his 2000 AD work himself. Um, he was a huge, huge fan of, of Judge Dredd. And I think he feels that when he got his chance to do it, he was almost too much of a fan. But I think Judgment Day is one of his better stories, personally. Um, yeah, um, I you know I like the story. I will say one thing, because mm. I, I, I'm a fan of... Um, Garth Ennis, mostly his preacher. Sure. I like his boys for the most part. Sure. Um, and one thing I'll say for Dread, which I like the story, but it didn't maybe give uh, play to some of his strengths, I mm. think, where he's really good. Oh, I also like his Punisher. Um, it doesn't, you know, a lot of times the strength of him is to have these little character moments. Yeah. Where I don't think he really necessarily got to do that in this story as much. A little bit, but... Uh, I don't know. He he has a lot of like quirky humor, yeah. and character moments, which uh, I'm not sure he really did a lot here because he was still developing as a writer or developing his voice or just because of the different title, you know. Oh yeah, I I think here he's almost doing a John Wagner impression, you know, like 
you know, he's, I, I almost see this as, like, if I didn't know this was Garth Ennis, I would have thought this was another John Wagner storyline. Like, he's doing Dread, the generic Dread, if you know what I mean. Like, he's doing he's doing Dread on brand, if you know what I mean. Like, lots of cool sayings, lot, cool moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I agree with that. Now, shall we start out with Top Dogs? Um, I, I just want to say, this was in, like, a special. This was tucked away. This wasn't in a... May, main line 2008 comic. I think it's a really good story. And I really love Conor McNeil. I want to get what your impression of Conor McNeil's artwork is like in Top Dogs because I was a big fan of this art style in 2008. Um, do you enjoy Conor McNeil's artwork? Because I, I love it. Uh, yeah, just uh, one thing. You're coming through a little computerized. Oh. Like slow computerized. Wow. Okay. Um, you sound a little bit better now. You're you're coming through 100% fine, man. So um, if I'm okay, okay. We, with you, we can keep on rolling because you're coming through perfectly. Um, now. Okay. Yeah. Um, Colin McNeil, you were. I think you're asking me what I thought of him. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I, I do like him. I like. Um, I know this probably isn't him, but the colors really pop in this oh, story. Maybe he did do the colors. I guess he did. Um, sometimes. Uh, and this is something in, with a few different 2080 artists where I do find the um, the storytelling a bit confusing sometimes. Yeah. Like uh, just maybe like the panel layouts or, you know, I can't tell who the character is sometimes. Sure. But yeah, yeah I really like the art on this one. Sometimes, uh, I, I, I agree with you 100%. The, the colorization of Colin McNeil is fantastic. So if he does it himself... He does it perfectly. He's also the same guy who did America, I think. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and now if we go to part two, and so the big thing was that, like, it was like, they sort of, I love this because they bury it. You don't realise it's going to be Johnny Alpha, and but keen fans of Johnny Alpha will, will notice the gun that's, like, on about page five or six. That gun is his famous gun, and then suddenly... In um, suddenly in in at the start of part two, you see Johnny Alf and see how he's got the shades on, and his eyes are there. Now his eyes are supposed to be red, but in here they're sort of more um, yellow. But the, his eyes do blaze red. But see how he's got those shades on. Oh yeah, that is pretty fun. Yeah, like in that first whole issue, like you do get a little shot of his shades, but you might not necessarily catch on until yeah um, part two here. Yeah, and there and there's Wolf. Uh, beside it as well. Now, Wolf normally has a massive Viking hammer, um, but of course, because they're going into Mega City 1, and this was big time stuff for, for the comic. Like, this this is the kind of thing that I think they resisted doing for a long time, but I think it's done really well here. And what I love about this storyline is, and it's not the world's most complicated story, you do get the fight scene, like, between Johnny Alpha and Dredd, and then Dredd just clocks him, Big time. That's just about when you'll get out. And he hammers him with a big punch. Um, and then I love the way... I love this, that they get into they get into a locked room. They send the... the um, They send the message out to the Search Destroy Agency, which is the Strontium Dog Agency. And then they manage to get the time machine into the right spot. And so by the time Dread comes in, they're out, which I think is brilliant. It's very Back to the Future-esque, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say that wasn't uh, 
because there's a part about them having to leave a letter with a lawyer, right? Yes. To reach the agency. Yes. Is that is that a Back to the Future three or something? I think it's. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure which one it is, but it's okay. it's very similar. Like, but but I love it because it, it's such a little. It, it it it's an entree story. So I'm sure they probably had in their minds that they were going to do a, a big full crossover. Um, but yeah, this yeah. this storyline. It's a tease, but gee, it's good. And don't forget that Johnny Alpha had only very recently passed away in the comics, and there was a lot of negative fan reaction to it as well. Like fans were pissed, you know, um, ab- about it. And what they did was after they um, after they killed him off, and it really was like killing in two thousand eight terms. It was like killing Batman or something in DC. It was a major character that was loved, and. Uh, they did a couple of specials, like as in like little winter special, sci-fi special. They did a couple of like one-shot storylines with him in the past. They were clearly aware they'd made a mistake, you know, like in killing him. And um, and then they brought him into this, and and I just remember, I I just thought it was fantastic, and and yeah, it really sets the scene. Um, it sets the scene for for Judgment Day, which we could flick to now, but um. Colin McNeil on Art Duties, I, I always think, is a, is a good time to be had back in the day. And, I mean, it's the same guy who gave us America, Adam. And yeah, for sure. I, I really uh, enjoyed his work. Uh, the colors were very interesting. Mm. And just a general comment on kind of some of the things that you were saying, mm. it seems like uh, there's a lot of creative integrity at 2000 AD sure. where it's like, uh, you know, we're not going to have our characters meet or we're going to have – real stakes where at DC and Marvel a lot of the time oh yeah i do enjoy the fan service i do enjoy the characters meeting the events the death the resurrections mm. but at the same time like we're now to the point at DC yeah. and Marvel where i'm like okay this is played out you know so it's just yeah. interesting the different approach um you know yeah. or maybe i would have liked to see more strontium dog in dread but i'm never going to get to the point where it's like uh, what was the character? Uh, the Batman who laughs. Yeah. You remember how played out he got? Yeah. <laughs> so it's just interesting how there's a little more restraint yeah. from these guys. It's, I'm really trying to get Alan Grant or John Wagner on the show. Um, oh, wow. And I think it would be. I, I think John Wagner's actually responded. Uh, he's very nice. I, I think he's very busy and he's almost retired, if you know what I mean. Like, he's. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, sort of like, look, I'm almost completely done. Um, but um, Chuck knows Alan Grant. Um, well, because they did Batman together, right. and and Chuck's a real two thousand D fan. So, um, but yeah, I, I also get the impression with Alan Grant may have almost retired as well. Like these guys are older, you know, they're sort of like you know maybe a little bit more private, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But but I I love them so much. I I I honestly I grew up uh, honestly uh, apart from Punisher onto that on two thousand AD. Like that was my mainline comic. And it did have a harder edge. They always talk about a punk edge, but by the late '80s, it wasn't punk. But it was just a bit more independent, if you know what I mean. Like, uh, so and you had a lot of great writers went through. Like we're talking about Garth Ennis, you had Grant Morrison, you had John Wagner, you had Alan Grant, like Peter Milligan. You had a lot of really great artists and writers working at the same time. And ten years before that, you had the Dave Gibbons, the Alan Moores, etc. So there'd been. It was a very fertile, creative place, and um, they certainly were more independent-minded than the Marvel DC crew, which are far more 
you know, look, I, I enjoy superheroes as much as the next guy, but you know me, I like a bit of crime and a, a bit of other stuff as well. And and 2008 didn't really have any superheroes until, like, Zenith with Grant Morrison. Like, that was probably the one exception. It was mm-hmm. mostly kind of... Like, this is the thing with Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd's been going weekly since 1977. Like, he's only not in the first comic, I think. There might be one or two other comics that he's not in. I think there are. I think once a listener corrected us, but... Pretty much since 1977, he's been in every issue of 2000 AD. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, it's also interesting because it's mostly done in like real time, right? Like he actually ages. Yeah, supposedly. But I mean, yeah, but he doesn't really age like a normal human would age. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, well, yeah. he's got like cybernetics. They explain it away with cybernetics and stuff. Like, you know, and I think he might have. You know, that it's one of those things where it's like they do say that, and he is older, but he's been older since like 1985. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, okay. Yeah. Like, if he was real, like, have you seen the latest Clint Eastwood movie, Cry Macho? Um, I have not. No. It's good, but Clint's like 90, 91, and he looks, I mean, even though he's in incredible condition for a 90 year old, he looks, he's an old man, you know, he's thin and. You know, you know, like he, Dread would be literally if it was really like that, he would be like that. But he's not. He's yeah. you know. But but yeah, it's it, the thing with Dread that I like is they do have a continuity, and it's a continuity that kind of like it it, it matters uh, in the sense that things have happened. If you know what I mean. So you do really. It's they don't write things out the way they. I find with Marvel and DC for all this talk about continuity. I, I think it's just so elastic, the whole concept, that I, I just find it hard to... Unless you have a good writer that makes me care, sometimes I can be reading the most fantastical stuff at Marvel and DC, especially Marvel, and I'm just like, I don't care about what's happening. Like, it doesn't feel grounded or real in any way. You know? You Yeah, that's kind of... The, like, with DC, it's kind of the problem where... You know, a lot of us guys got in post-crisis, right? So we were able to have, like, one unbroken story. Mm. And then they did the new 52, which was, you know, a new one, which is okay. But then they tried to backtrack it. But now it just feels like we're kind of in, like, a uh, haze where you don't know yeah. what really happened or what counts. And yeah. all the creators you knew and loved have kind of moved yes. on. So yes. it's like, does it matter? Yeah, and and we don't want to sidetrack too far because I, 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 I there are elements I like at both of those companies, you know. But this is two thousand AD, and it's its own thing, and it's not so much just a British perspective because I don't actually get that at all. I just get that it's a more independent perspective. It's it's maybe indie's not the right word because they you know they were they were owned back in this time by Fleetway and they're now owned by Rebellion, a video game company. But it's just that there are different kind of heads, and from what we know about these guys was they were very sort of like, it was kind of like, and this isn't an insult, it was kind of like the inmates running the asylum, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. with these guys. Like, so these guys, these creators, c- could take it all the way kind of thing. There was, there was less restrictions. And I will say this, one of the big differences, and it's less so by now, so by the time they come to Judgment Day, Judgment Day was billed, they, they had, to the end day, obviously the weekly comic where, you know, you see um, the the it gets played out every week. But they also had the magazine. Now, the magazine was launched probably a couple of years prior, and it's Judge Dread magazine, and it's Dread Stories and Dread's World. 
and it's an offshoot magazine. Now, look, it's actually really cool, like in, in so many ways, the magazine. Not everything works, but it's, it's cool because it, it basically gave... Before this, readers could only read like the seven or eight pages per week of Judge Red, and obviously many a storyline might be five or six parts, but really you times five or six parts by eight pages, you've only got you know, 40 pages or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, tell a story. Whereas in the magazine, you had a whole comic where you could tell longer-form stories and and more advanced stories. Now, this was the first event that took... And it was quite controversial because I was trying to sell the magazine, which always sells a bit less than 2000. You had to read both titles to get the full story. Um, Oh, really? Yes. So... In this storyline, um, some of the some of the chap there, we read them in the case files, and they're all together. But at the time, like parts one, two, would be in two thousand AD, and then part three would be in the magazine. And it was all a big marketing campaign, and it succeeded in getting people like me who were very cheap to buy the magazine, <laughs> even though I wanted to buy it. You know, I was literally a high school student with no money. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and I had to buy my Punisher and got whatever else I was buying, and and I did buy the magazine most of the time. Don't get me wrong, but um, it was more expensive, you know. And this was them saying they this was they were getting a bit like the US style here, where it's like you've got to buy all these tie-ins. Now, because this was a this was an essential story, really, this was big story like with Johnny Alpha and Judge Dredd. I actually think it probably really succeeded, and I would guarantee you that the magazine sales were very high during this epic. You know, it was controversial because let me tell you that the two thousand eight readers weren't the kind of guys to hold back. You know, they yeah. just just like their independent creators, that their fans uh, can be quite uh, vocal. Um, so anyway, let's let's turn to it. I love the way that. It turn, you turn to these case files, and by the way, aren't these case files beautiful, Adam? The way you just have the full storyline, it's just it's just such a pleasure to read. The Judge Red logo, I think, is one of the best logos. That that Judge Red blocky logo, and you've got they say a day will come when the dead tear down the gates of hell and make bloody war upon the living in the battle of Armageddon. That day is here, and just Red with a massive like assault rifle of some sort. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you've got plot. So John Wagner did the basic plot with Garth Ennis, and I would say he gave quite a loose plot because Garth Ennis then writes all the stories. Um, script Garth Ennis, art Peter Doherty uh, of this issue, and letters Tom Frame. And Tom Frame uh, letters so many of the classic Tuesday storylines. I know his name. He, he, the poor guy, just I think he might have <laughs> passed away recently. But my God, he did some story. He did some. He did some lettering. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Um... As a tease for this, you know, several weeks story, I think this works, you know, it's pretty effective, Mm. Um, you know, jumps up the stakes real quick. And I was going to say also that I find it frustrating throughout here that Mm. it's hard to tell who does the art because I don't think they always Yes, yeah, and you know what it is? And I totally agree with you. I believe in the magazine, for some weird reason, they're not credited in the pages. They are at the end of the book. Um, they are at the end of the book. Uh, so at the end of the case files, there'll be a full breakdown of who does what art. Uh, oh, okay. And I think in the, in the in the weekly comic, uh, you do see the credits. So Carlos Esquizara does a lot of the art in the weekly comic. But um, yes, I do agree that is, um, that is uh, annoying. Uh, but it, they would have been credited at the time in the magazine. It would have said, uh, on the title pages and the contents, it would have said, uh, you know, script, Garth Ennis, art, whoever, 
you know. So, and they are credited in the case files, and we can go to the at the back of the case files, they'll all be credited. But it is frustrating when you're reading it not to have that. But so Pete Dolly does the first one. We get um, Sabbat. Now, Sabbat is the necromancer or necromage. I do find him somewhat under, like, great powers. I, I kind of think that the, the, the humour, like, never lands. I, I think he probably would have been better to be all out evil without the the sort of stage patter, which I think kind of cheapens him a little bit to a pantomime kind of villain. What do you think? Um, there's some stuff at the end where you get to see him a little bit more that I enjoy. Uh, the the humor, or I guess, Attempt. I don't know, I guess I didn't find it particularly funny, but the, the light, you know, I don't yeah. know, comical nature was... Um, Made him a little creepy, I think, so I did like that. I do like his origin story, which we'll get to at the end. His origin story is great. Um, yeah, was, uh, not to spoil <laughs> no, it for later no. in the episode, but uh, I was... It's not that similar to Judge Death, but I was surprised that they went for, like, the young... Um, yeah. You know, because they both started off as, like, kids that turned evil, essentially. Sure. Uh, I do like his cloak, though, how he's... And, and, and maybe I didn't realise it. Like, the way he's wearing the cloak of the faces that talk back to him is kind of cool. Yeah, um, that was pretty creepy, yeah. yeah. I don't know. They don't really explain that, but I guess no. you can just assume it's from his... Crazy black magic. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. Now, one thing I do love is a hot dog run. Now, a hot dog run, I'm not sure if we've encountered this before in, in Dread or Dead. Dread... Uh, and other judges, not just Dread, but we generally do... With cadets that are about to... It's like the bar exam. You know what I mean? Like, so oh. they're, they're cadets from the, you know, school of judges um, who are almost ready to graduate. And so Dread or another senior judge will take them into the cursed earth on a little mission, and it's a way to sort of, like, find out if these kids who've been training have got what it takes. Oh, okay. And, and Dread... Well, there's there's other storylines, you know, previously called the hot dog run and stuff. We'll pass or fail them, and I'll say no. You know, Judge Kitson, you you haven't got what it takes. You you failed. Leave the academy immediately, or you'll um or you'll go all the way. Now, Judge Giant, which you might remember was the black judge who was Dred's friend who was killed by Orlock the assassin. I think we did an Apocalypse War. Um, Is he the one whose dad was like an athlete? Yes, yes, great pickup, Adam. Computer, <laughs> wow, Yeah, I yeah. don't remember him uh, getting killed, though. I guess. Well, yeah, he 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 did get killed in in the start of Apocalypse War, I think, in maybe in Block War, and oh, he was Dred, he yeah he was Dred's friend, so Dred really liked him. Now he had an off liaison. Normally, judges aren't allowed to have sex with anyone or do anything. Uh, sorry, Giant did have a liaison and had a kid, and because of his record, they kind of covered it up and they just put the kid through the academy. Um, and I like the part where Dred's like, uh, it's the bloodline. You know, like, he's got what it takes. It's in the bloodline. And I was like... Oh, yeah, that was I, completely lost on me. Yeah, I was. I almost saluted the page. You know, <laughs> like, you know, pull one out for Judge Giant. And, and and Cadet Judge Giant does become a proper judge. I think he's... I, I'm not sure if he's still around, but he's definitely one of the best. Now, it's pretty great stuff, though, how these these like, cadets... And notice they're wearing the white helmets because they're not full judges yet. They're just cadet judges. Uh-huh. Um, that's how you tell. And they come across the zombies, and it's like, oh, shit. Things are popping off now. And I thought this was such a cool start, like almost like a horror start to the, to, to the comic, really. 
Yeah, like uh, they just look like classic zombies. It's kind of yeah, cool. It's, it is cool. Uh, look, you cadets better be ready. You're staring in at the. De- you're starting in at the deep end, and I'm like, shit. Yeah, these cadets are starting out against zombies, and like one of the biggest epics of all time. What a hot dog run! <laughs> you're not even a full yeah. judge. The whole context behind what I, I mean, I kind of figured out what it was, but the term "hot dog run" when you said that, I was like. I have no idea what that is, but yeah, yeah uh, it's interesting. They don't really explain things like that here. No, they. I, I think with um, 2000 AD, Judge Dredd, there is a sense of like, look, it's a future lawman, and a lot of the world stuff, they they really don't do a great job of explaining it for new readers, but I think the feeling is you, you'll, you'll, you'll settle in. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, Details like that aren't that important. I will no. say... It kind of jars me where I do take a second. I'm just like, what? what's a hot dog run? And then yeah. I'm just like, I guess maybe I'll find out or I won't. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> Dave will explain it. Dave will explain it at exactly. some point. You know. Um, so, yeah, basically we've got these judges blowing away. And jump in whenever you want. We've got these judges blowing away. I do like the bit with Sabat where he's talking. I did find this one pretty funny. He's talking to the guy and he's like, never mind. I kind of like the sound of my own voice. And then he's like, hey, you, they, they can stop you guys. Don't they know how many corpses there are in the world? We'll show them. That's it. You and me again. So, well, buddy, hey, you and me. And then the guy's head falls off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I did find that funny, actually. And um, I will say yeah. that's maybe a part where uh, Ennis, uh, his personality, yeah. is able to kind of come through with this character. For sure. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of a um, sort of a smart mouth kind of, you know, because when I think of his hitman... And and preacher, I do think there's always a bit of there is a bit of humour tied into it all, especially you know. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, definitely at times. Nice artwork though, as well. Can I say that I enjoyed the artwork? Um, like the desolate nature of the cursed earth, where he's like, "Don't you too soon, Peria? I think they brought their pals, and you see the more zombies shuffling towards them. Um, a million plus. They're saying bike scanners are off scale. Judge Red, a million plus. Wow. It's pretty nuts. Yeah, and you said this was... Is this the same artist that did Top Dogs? Who did Top Dogs again? No, that was Colin McNeil. Oh, um, okay, and it's Peter Doherty. This is okay. Pete Doherty, who did a lot of Judge Dredd from the case files around this period. Uh, kind Gosh. of a painted style, almost, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. I like it. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, and now Dredd says, kind of heavy odds, we're going to need a H-Wagon. A H-Wagon... It's basically like a huge flying tank. So they're these massive aerial units that can just pour down like a fucking ton of um, firepower if needed, usually used inside the city, but could also be used outside the city and would be very helpful against zombie hordes. Could clear tons of zombie hordes, but cleverly in this storyline, they do a bit of an out where they can't use H-Wagons because otherwise that would be actually a really effective way of clearing a zombie horde. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why did they say they can't use them? Uh, it comes out later in the story. It's to do with like the ley lines, uh, the, the power lines, the earth lines or whatever that, that Sabbath's oh. using. He's he's affecting Earth's, like the gravity or something. He's, you know, one of the big obsessions but of the sort of like hippy-dippy New Age um, 2008 writers is this obsession with ley lines. They're always going on about them like... Have you heard of ley lines? Do you know what they are? Yeah, you know, yeah. movies, yeah. Yes, exactly. They're bullshit, but 2008, 2008D writers love using them. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a trope. Uh, yeah, it is It is funny. There's a, there's one character, actually, um, called Slain, and he's a berser- He's like a berserker. Like, he's not a Viking, but he's a Celtic, I think. But anyway, he goes to these, like, warp spasms when he gets really 
crazy. And the ley lines, like, interface with him, and he, like, fully warps out to, like, almost like a Hulk kind of creature. Even worse, even more insane than a Hulk. And just goes in, like, a massive killing spree. It's pretty awesome, actually. (laughs) Who is this again? His name's Slane, uh, S-L-A-I-N-E. And, but a lot of his storylines revolve around ley lines and stuff because it's all back in, like, you know, mythical, you know, Celtic times and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, sounds cool. Anyway, so Dreads, yeah, dispatching, uh, coming from the mine shaft, and, like, this squad guy's trying to get his uh, foot, and he's, like, off, and he just, like, shoots him. Um, so, yeah, and then, then suddenly the zombies uh, turn around, and they're travelling towards Mega City 1, towards the distant mountains and beyond Mega City 1, and you see Dreads sneering, which is a great, great look. Which, uh, I, I think I lost track of you. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah it's just after the mine shaft. And and then we have, and all across the continent, all over the world, and I was like, oh, shit, I'd forgotten that this was a worldwide phenomenon. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's all across the world. Like, megacities actually die in this one. Um, Texas City, I won't say some of the names, I can't pronounce them, East, East Meg 2, Murphyville, which is in Ireland, Britsit, everywhere. Dead eyes look towards the great megacity, so full of sound and light and living flesh, and dead minds think of feeding. And then we have the great moment in Hondo City, which is, I want to say, in Japan. The night brings a different surprise. Uh, Planet Earth is about to enter hell, and who appears but Johnny Alpha? And there he is in his uniform. And I was like, I remember, I was like, oh, yeah, it's on now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that'd have to be uh, pretty thrilling, you know, to see these guys together for something this big. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, the second you saw that, you were like, okay, shit's been taken up a notch. <laughs> um, Do we know what the population of Earth is supposed to be at this time? I'm not sure. I mean, I think the megacity has got, like, close to a billion people, megacity one. I mean, it's, you know, okay. maybe not I a know billion, but the close. body count they had here, and I... Uh, was just curious, like what percentage of the world's population are killed in this story? Uh, yeah, like I think to the day a pretty, uh, they're pretty laissez fair with their killing spree. So I guarantee it'd be sure. about twenty five percent or something. Like, yeah, it seems about right. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't mind uh, sort of mass exterminations. <laughs> There's been a yeah, few mass said... exterminations in Mega City One. I'm surprised it's still standing. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh... You, uh, the one total war, there was a lot of death. There was. And in this one, I think they said the body count was like 3 billion people. Which well, is why? like, uh, the Earth population was like 7 or 8 billion now. But yeah, I don't Well, know well it would make sense for this event. This was a worldwide event. And they actually, oh, sure. if you, spoilers, but Dread actually does nuke a few cities as well. Yeah. Um, that was, that was so, intense. yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, kind of staggering. Like, it's almost to me this is such a big event consequence wise that I, they probably should have done more in exploring the ramifications of it. Um, maybe they did do more that I'm not aware of, but with so many people dead and like mega cities dead, et cetera, et cetera, it opens up a lot of story potential. You know? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, then I think we go to a very different art style. I want to get your impression of this art style. Um, I'm not sure who this artist is. Uh, it's a Simon Bisley kind of style without being him. Um, and I think this was where it cuts to the magazine. And it's a very different style that's quite jarring and I'd almost call it a bit impressionistic. Um, but, but I do enjoy it. 
Uh, what did you yeah, think? Yeah, I'd this... almost uh, maybe even say uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just some of the colors. Yeah. Yeah, I like that point. too. It's uh, it's pretty neat. I, uh... And we do have the point where we get the backstory of Johnny Alpha. So. Uh, so he lands in Hondo City, which is basically in Japan, and it says the doghouse, orbiting base of the Search Destroyer Agency, 2178 AD. He is a mutant bounty hunter, a strutting dog. His best friend is dead, and one day he knows he too will meet his death in the agency service, but not today. Today is not Johnny Alpha's day to die. And that's their way of very much dating exactly where it is. This is pre's death, but post Wolf's death. Uh, and I like the way he's like, Alpha, you got the message. We've got a job for you, a good one. What's that in cash terms? 10 mil. And he's like, keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm starting to think that maybe his eyes only blaze red when he's using his powers. That might actually make sense. Um, yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that because it seems like they're usually just, you know, white without pupil. Yeah, maybe that's how they are normally. But uh, it, it's also complicated by the fact that a lot of the storylines from Strontium Dog are in black and white. Um, yeah, I and so you only had the mid-comic uh, colour page by the mid-80s, and then in about by about 88, 89, they switched to full colour for most stories. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, it's interesting. So we, we have the storyline here, and then he's talking about um, Mega City 1, and he's like 20, uh, 2,114. He's been then before, or then abouts, you might say. Dead or alive job two years back with Wolf. It looked easy. But the judge, the hard man with a face like stone and a fist of something harder, and you had that massive like shot, uh, Dread nearly turned their lights out for good, and you had that massive shot of Dread just slamming him. Um, oh, okay, that's a flashback. Okay. That's a I flashback. Pick up now, on that this is one of the biggest... I'm going to put it down there right now. I honestly think Dread versus Alpha should be a much closer fight than they're depicting it as. You know? Um, and... I, I, I want to say, I, Judge Red is the ultimate, but Johnny Alpha's, jeez, he's not far behind. You know, and I one thing that always stuck in my craw about this comic and storyline was they make it out that Alpha kind of can't touch Red in a fight. He can't really challenge him. And I'm kind of like, I think he could. You know, you know Johnny Alpha's a pretty tough customer himself. Yeah, it seems like he would, especially, you know, he's got his uh, extra powers. Yeah, he's he's got got his extra powers, exactly. And that kind of equals it up, because Dredd is a hand-to-hand fighter. He's pretty much unsurpassed. But Johnny Alpha's not bad either, and Johnny Alpha's quick with a gun too. Like, he's a, you know, he's travelled literally across the galaxy hunting down, you know, criminal scum. Um, Anyway, it's just interesting, but... And then we have uh, Hondo City, Judge Inspector Toronto Suru. Now, Suru was also um, in previous storylines, and he famously had a big run-in with Judge Dredd, where Dredd let him win. Um, and they've always been craving a rematch, um, you know, between these two, because, you know, they, they had, I forget the altercation, but they did have a fight. There was a diplomatic incident, and Dredd actually let him win uh, in terms of the whole system of honour and stuff. So... Sadu's always been craving a rematch. And he's a good guy. He's a judge. He's just a Japanese judge. And, you know, there's just a bit of, like, animosity between the two cities kind of thing. And and two big egos. <laughs> yeah, I found it interesting having uh, this character return and them having a bit of a history. Yeah. I was also trying to track down who the art was here. I think it might be Dean Ormstrom. Okay. 
Cool. Whose name sounds familiar. I just don't know where I know it from. Certainly his style is. Um, and there was a lot oh. of... Is he the guy that does, like, the... I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off, but I no. thought... I don't know. He's not the guy that does, like, the... Um, you know, like, the classic horror paintings, is he? I have no idea, man. I, I, don't, I don't know. This style... There was a lot of this style around 2000 AD because it was after Simon Bisley, who also has quite a similar style in 2000 AD. Um, there was a lot of this kind of style in 2000 AD in the 90s. So I like oh. it. I, I, I think he's actually pretty good. Sometimes I, I, I want more detail than he gives, but his panels are beautiful. Like if you look at the, the picture of Johnny Alpha where he comes through the time travel, he's saying time travel, same old kick. Same old churning of the gut that catches you out, that slows you down. I, I love that image of Johnny Alpha. And then you turn around, you see that beautiful image of Judge Sato with the massive, like, I don't even know what you call that thing he's holding, like a sort of club of some sort. Um, and he's, like, lethal with that thing. Take him out now. And just the way, just that image, I think it's beautiful and beautifully colorized as well. Yeah, that was one thing I was going to point out, is the colors are always really awesome yep. um i actually figured out what i know him from he does that uh black hammer with right. jeff lemire oh okay his, cool. his style looks very different today yeah than it did then yeah it's cool um does he still have any of that style like could you tell it's the same artist or is it a complete shift i can't really tell no oh. okay at all i think i heard that he's in pretty bad health recently too oh that's not good well, I like the way he, he uh, Judge Sado lays it on Johnny Alpha. You see the blood coming off there from where he's clocked him, and then Johnny Alpha just kicks him in the groin. Uh, <laughs> and then, then it's on these two. They're like, won't stop him, blasted a stun. See, Johnny Alpha's a nicer guy than Dread. Dread would, would forget about stun with Dread. And then, but Johnny Alpha switches his blaster stun, then puts it in the guy's throat, and that guy's got the club into his chin. And he's like, okay, easy, I'm not here to fight you. Um, and he's trying to, you know, this is this, this is the thing between these two where. Sadhu's really convinced that um, Johnny Alpha's uh, friends with Sabbat, who came through the time portal like a day before or something and killed a ton of people. Um, yeah, I uh, kind of kept losing track of the fact that he was like a bounty hunter yeah, um, and not just like a future superhero that was sent back in time, you know, like John Connor style. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's a bounty hunter, but like the thing with Johnny Alpha is like he's kind of a bounty hunter with a bit of a heart of gold tucked away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So he, he is quite noble. He's nobler than Dread. Dread's all about the job and the mission and the city. Johnny Alpha will do the occasional job for free kind of thing, you know. And he, he takes things... He's a bit more of a humanised character, if you know what I'm saying. Like, um, you know... I think I'll enjoy that, actually, you know, just as a contrast to Dread when we do more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's one story... You'll, you'll love this. So, basically... We're switching back to teenage angsty Davy, and uh, you know I just enjoyed the death, death, death. And then this is one Johnny Alpha when Wolf dies, and there's one storyline called Rage, and it's Johnny Alpha's revenge, and he's just one hundred percent vengeance. And I just ate it up. I was just like, this is the greatest. It is a great storyline. Like he tracks down all the killers, the gang killed Wolf. He tracks them all down one by one, and I was just loving it that much. Like as a, as a, as like you know, thirteen, fourteen year old Davey. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that does sound pretty cool. <laughs> it was cool, but in general, like in that so in that storyline, he's like dialed up 
to maximum intensity because his best friend's just been killed. But in general, yeah, he's a bit more relaxed and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he's a cool character. You'll you really enjoy him, I think. I think, yeah. And it's the same kind of stuff, like Alan Grant and Joel Wagner writing it. So it's not a million miles away, if you know what I mean. It's just all a bit more fun. Um, yeah. Now then, we so we have uh, Sabat, and you see Begging Forgiveness... Sato Sans forgiveness. Units say their opponents are walking dead men. You see Johnny Alpha, the side shot. There he goes, Sabbath. And that was the end of um, uh, part three of Judgment Day. And then notice the artwork in the next page turns to the ever-reliable Carlos Esquizara. Um And for me, he's the ultimate dread artist. And you see here it says Tharg Note, with Tharg's the editor's name. Like the alien editor who runs for the Yeah, says, the guy that's like in the magazine, green. right? Yeah. And he says, see Nerve Center for events in part three of Judgment Day. So they're already doing the recap page for those who weren't, those cheapskates who weren't picking up the magazine. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I was going to say too, you commented on the art. It definitely switches to a more um, uh, comic book look than where, yeah. you know, the other one was more like painted looking. Yeah. But I, I do love the love the style. I I like. I've got to be honest. I, I love all the artwork here, but but Carlos Esquizara just never lets me down. You know, I just when I when I reading him, I'm like, oh, settle in. You know what I'm saying? Dreads here, <laughs> yeah. and you that classic image there where uh, Carlos has got Dread punching the head off a zombie. I mean, that's just perfect. You know, that's just as good as it gets. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, there was, I think, this is the one where I had some issues following. Sure. Because they're like running through a crowd. Oh, here it is. It's, uh, let's see, there's a page where it says 100 meters and we're home. Mm. And it says Eckerson. So I think that someone's shouting for Eckerson. They shoot a zombie and then get on, parrier they're through, break off and follow. And then I think, par- I don't know, I was just confused by what's really going on. Okay, here. so I can explain. So. Yeah, 100 metres of my home, because um, they're getting towards Bigger City 1. Um, someone get Eckerson gets taken by a zombie. You can see the cadet. Mm-hmm. Uh, zombie gets blasted. Get on, Perrier, they're through. Break off and follow. Then Perrier is taken down. The female judge is taken down by the zombies. Losing oh, okay. losing it. Shame. Dread didn't promise her to, because Dread had promised the cadets they get through. Um, hell with it, she thinks. I'm gone. And um and that and that's it. So for Peria, she's done, and he's like, "You scum!" And he's like killing, he's like killing zombies with his blaster. Great, great, great artwork. Like the sense of drama in these panels, you know, um, consequence. And this is the thing. Like, okay, Dread survives, but like other judges, some of note do die. In fact, one of his biggest pupils does die in this. Uh, Perry was a good judge. Um, but one of his biggest Oh, and she's people, a judge, too. She's not even a student, no, is she? That, and that's why she says he didn't promise her. He promised the cadets no more cadets would die. Ah, I see. Um, okay. Yeah, I just noticed with the helmet, yeah. And you scum. I love that. And <laughs> um, so they get through. Dread, chief judge wants to see you pronto. Damn right. We're going to have to napalm half the cursed earth. Cursed earth, nothing. It's happening all over, Dread. The whole damn planet's covered in zombies. And... And that tells you how many pages a Judge Dread artist has to, has to work with. So how many pages? One, two, three, four, five, six, six. So six pages Carlos Exorzara has to work with in the weekly comic. Don't they get through a lot of information, man, in six pages, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I honestly think it's such a great training ground for storytelling because you have to know how to move a story along, you know? 
Um, yeah, I think you're right with writing and art both. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Both of them. Then we have. You can you can tell that it's because of course the 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 magazine was monthly. Or it was fortnightly or monthly, depending on whenever the magazine came out. But the but the dread comic is well, two thousand is weekly. So the next one is again Carl Sesquizara, uh part five. We have Judge Hershey um, there. That's Judge Hershey who later becomes a chief judge. She's one of Dread's oldest friends, um, and you see her busting this guy who's doing doom to the world kind of thing. And uh, yeah, and was this supposed to be the same character throughout? That's um, kind of. You know, there's like a doomsayer throughout the story. I wonder if it is it the same. No, character, it's you know? not. I thought that too, but the guy who falls off the end uh, or kills himself is a different guy. Um, okay. So I just think there's a lot of doomsayers, and he's like the doom of judgment. You got that right, meathead. <laughs> doom for you, judge. And she whacks him with the the, the nightstick stick like across the head. <laughs> <laughs> judge Hershey's a great judge. She's in the movie. Remember. In the original, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, she was in the original. You say, yeah, yep, Diane Lane. I think. Yeah, yeah, but she's yeah. pretty cool here. Uh, she has a few lines later on that I was, you know, thought she uh, came off a little spunky. I liked it. Yeah, yeah, no, she's a cool, she's a cool judge. Um, one of them actually, one of the other judges before he dies actually says how he'd like to have been with her. <laughs> Tell her we could oh, have been yeah. a yeah, good couple that. or something. Then we have um, so. I should also preface this. So I explained to you, Chief Judge McCruder, who's addressing the judges, and she's got that little bit of facial hair. Now, I want to give some backstory to McCruder, probably the greatest chief judge of all time. Uh, she was a member of, or the leader of the SJS, which is kind of like the uh, internal affairs for the judges. She was a very harsh character. They patterned her on Margaret Thatcher in the 80s, who, who I don't know if you know who Margaret Thatcher was, but she was a British prime minister in the 1980s. Yeah. Uh, called the Iron Lady. Anyway, they patterned her after that. Very severe kind of character. She eventually became a chief judge. Then after an incident during the mid-80s, she left to take the long walk because she felt that she'd done an error in judgment. She said, I can no longer be chief judge. I'm going to take the long walk. And, the, and that's when the judge will bring law unto the lawless out on the cursed earth when they decide to retire from being the chief judge, or from being a judge on the streets, they're going to take the. They're basically given like a, sometimes a lawmaster, um, like a bike. Sometimes just walk out themselves with a gun and ammo and just bring law into the lawless. <sighs> she went out, and that was the end of her for a couple of years. But during Necropolis, when Judge Red was out in the cursed earth, uh, he encountered her and she saved him. And she'd gone a bit crazy out there in the wilderness and the radiated wilderness, but she was still a great judge. He brought her back and she was essential in winning Necropolis and she became chief judge after that. But they do play with her being a bit insane. Um, so she's got like multiple personality disorder and stuff. That's why she's always talking about we this, we that. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. I didn't pick up on that. And just even even the way she's got like the, the, the little bit of facial hair, like she's got a bit to see, but she's a very good judge. But um, she's not quite the person she was before. So mm-hmm. she's explaining, um, you, we, we're kind of getting some backstory on what's going on. We're talking about there's an electrical problem, the H-wagons can't, can't go up. And then we have scenes with Sabat, where Sabat's then talking to his cloak, and he's, you know, the lodestone he's got there, and he's saying, all of you, my children, every last corpse on planet Earth, up and at them, smash down the walls of the megacities, feast on the living flesh within, let none escape, kill the world. And it's like, Jesus, this guy's taking it all the way, you know? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. 
And then uh, <laughs> we see Dredd saying, we screwed up, damn it. The burial pits after the Necropolis massacre. We forgot all about them. We've got 60 million stiffs right here on our doorstep. So it's 60 million, not 600 million. So 60 million had died in Necropolis that they'd buried outside and all of those zombies are suddenly right outside Mega City 1. Yeah, and interesting too, because we talked about the body count for this story. Mm. Uh, you know, it doesn't compare. You no. know, that the Necropolis body count really doesn't compare to how this one ends up. Exactly. Now, don't forget, though, that that's a worldwide body count in this story, yeah, whereas Necropolis sure. was just Mega City 1. Mm. Um, yeah, but even, but even still, the, the consequences of this storyline in terms of the map, are quite significant because multiple cities are actually wiped out, like long-standing cities are wiped out uh, in the storyline. So it, it's interesting. I, I don't know how much they explored it with it. I, I, I don't know if they probably explored it enough, um, which sometimes is a criticism of Judge Dredd. Sometimes some of the big storylines, they don't really sort of follow up in the way you would think they should, but other times they do. Then we Yeah, switch, I mean, I know. would kind of say that um, just from my experience where it just seems sometimes like... Uh, it's always on to the next thing, almost yeah. like the next story is kind of just self-contained. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an approach, but, you know, sometimes it would be nice to have some through, uh, carry through. Yeah, and, and I think probably these days they do it a lot more. Um, uh-huh. You know, as the years went by, they switched to a lot more of a police procedural. But um, but anyway, uh, then we turn to this guy's artwork again, I love it, blow them away and you've got the storylines. Like, it's just so, there's there's a macho element to Judge Dredd where it's like, pour it on, you've got Dredd there on the blaster with like the little shells coming out. I want support units down here now. Pat wagons, heavies, mantas, the works. We stop them at the wall and we can kiss it goodbye. And it's like the one guy's going, it's hopeless, Dredd, he's on like a massive cannon. We're fighting too many of them on a thousand mile front, we'll never hold them. And then we see Dredd, screw never. He's <laughs> like teeth. <laughs> I love this stuff. Like, this is kind of where I'm like, I think Garth Ennis gets it right. Like, he's playing to the, he's kind of playing the, the big beats. You know what I mean? Like, dread, tough talk and dread, like pouring on the, um, pouring on the firepower of these zombies. It, it's great stuff. And Jesus would be great in a movie. Could you imagine? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, fuck yeah. I'd love it. And then we, we do the classic Judge Dread. Uh, sort of around the around the world scene. So you see Texas City, uh, and you see Mega City Two. You see the um, down in the corrupt city, the Moose Wormhead. This city is our racket. The, these judges are like organised crime, and then you've got Sydney, Melbourne, Concurb. Control the Bruce report status. Bloody awful, mate. Ask yourselves. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're right, man. And then you've got Sino City. They're actually dead. See, so see the the they're dead. The, the zombies are eating, and the receivers just. It's just blood. Oh, yeah. Where's Sino City supposed to be? Do you know? China. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Mega City 2, that's the west coast of the US? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, Mega City 2 is the west coast. East Meg 2 is somewhere in Russia after they killed the original Mega City uh, East Meg 1. Uh, Brit sits, obviously, UK. And you've got Steady in the Ranks, you men. None shall pass. They're doing, like, the British thing. You've got Murphyville, which is in Ireland. And you've got Judge Joyce who's, uh, you know, same as Bruce. Bruce has been in the comics before. Um, Bruce is the Sydney Melbourne guy, the Aussie guy. Um, it was cool seeing all the different, you know. Yeah, I love it. Are, like, you know. are they, like, all, uh, I guess, the same force, you know, like the same police force no, worldwide? It's, 
No, it's it's kind of funny that how they've done it. Like, so it's like uh, they're all separate, but they're all judges. So it, it would never happen that all the governments would all gravitate towards judges just by chance. But they, in, uh-huh. in me, in Judge Redwall, they have basically, you know. <laughs> so like. They they do have the International Council of Judges in this, but no, they're not actually aligned. Some of them are alliances, like Britsit and Mega City One are very aligned, like UK, US. They tend to follow the world as it is, if you know yeah. what I mean. Like, so you got UK, US alliance. Australia's aligned with them. You got Russia being its own thing. It's they sort of loosely sort of try to sort of play to the stereotypes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember uh, you said some conflict with the Russian judges at one point. Oh, man, there's a massive storyline. Uh, have we not done it? Apocalypse War is the big one. Apocalypse War is the big Russia versus US uh, story. Like you talked about one. it. I don't think we did it yet. It's a good one. It's a classic. We, I th- You know what I think we did on Signal with Stu, and Stu just didn't like it that much. And I was like, oh, this is one of the greatest that. fucking storylines of Judge Red Stewart. Like, <laughs> like f- fucking calm down. Um, no, I think he, I think he liked it well enough, but it, that's one of the, that's one of the classics, if you know what I mean, like it's one of the all time stories, which was playing off the Cold War at the time, because when it was written, it was still during the Cold War in the 80s, and here we are again, in 2022, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's back again, <laughs> um, when, when Putin was like, nuclear war's not off the table, and it's like, it probably should be. <laughs> Yeah, I think we can all agree. Yeah, it be. <laughs> like, um, I'd like it to be off the table, Putin. Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, because nobody wins, you know, like, the end. There's not really a, a proper winner. Like, it's going to fuck the planet up that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, we kind of all agree, except for you and your ego. Let's so just not. Um, so anyway, so we've, we've got these storylines and then we've got, we, we, we flash back to Johnny Alpha who's getting questioned by Sadu. He's saying lies. You're in league with the murderer. Take him. I want this murderer monster locked away from decent people. Have it your way. And then he's like time bomb minimum field. And so it just takes him. And it, what it does is, um, it locates him like a couple of minutes away from the cycle of the earth. So the earth has kept spinning and it will put him in a different place. Yeah, which that was pretty cool. I did, pretty you know, cool. you always, when they do that kind of thing, they're like, how do they keep from yeah, going to a wall appearing in a wall? Yeah, but yeah, good question. Seems like they have that worked out for Johnny They seem to have it worked out. Johnny Alpha has certainly used it on me. <laughs> never, <laughs> yeah. never landed up in a wall once. Um, and then we just have some pretty cool scenes where you have uh, the Japanese judges and then you see the... Um, you see, like, they've got the samurai headdress, but they're zombies. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, the time bomb throws Alpha mere seconds back in time, but by that time stage, Earth has moved considerably around its axis. Looks like downtown. Locals aren't too friendly. Going to take some convincing, and he takes one guy off a bike. Um, get going, tune the radio. Um, and then you see Judge Sadu's up on the tank, and he's getting overwhelmed by zombies, and then you see Johnny Alpha come to the rescue... Uh, and shoots the zombies, he's like, still think I'm lying? That remains to be seen. At the moment, there are more pressing matters to attend to. And you see all the all the zombies coming up towards the tank. So it's kind of like, that's pretty cool. Johnny Alpha, it, who readers will know, is a good guy through and through. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no grey lines with Johnny Alpha. He is a good guy kind of thing. 
Um, and I like the way he's inserted in this story as the bounty hunter, so the other people suspect him, which is kind of a cool beat, you know? Yeah, for sure, though, isn't he? You know, he comes from the same era, right? Yeah, exactly. And then we've got, um, we've got, uh, we're back to the comic uh, with um, Carlos Esposa on art duties, which I love, and you've got here, Stand and Fight from Judge Dredd, and just some great, like the way Carlos Esposa just throughout his whole career just, I think, does the definitive dread. You know, like for me, I just think he's just such a fantastic at capturing the essence of Judge Dredd. And he does it like again and again and again. I wonder if it got repetitive for him, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I really like him. I know that I've seen other guys that I also have really enjoyed. Mm. Um, and I also feel like he, his art, uh, Carlos's art evolves a lot. So mm. it's uh, interesting to see it now compared to, you know, his first appearance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think his help, when the colour comes in, I think it really helps Carlos Escrizarro's art, art, you know? It, it, yeah, for sure. It kind of lights it up more. You've got Sabat talking how he's, you know, turning, he actually got a skeleton into, like, a zombie. Growing lad needs his meat. He puts meat on the bones. You've got Chief Judge Magruder, who's, like, talking to all the different judges, and she's just going slightly insane. She's like, hell with this. You handle the gentleman, boy. We're going to the wall. And then she's like, Armory, this is the chief judge. We're on our way down. Notice that she's saying where on our way down. Um, and oh, yeah. Yeah, because she, this is when they were starting to do... She, she actually goes off the rails a bit, unfortunately. And it's, it's actually done quite well, like, because she's such a good judge, but like, she's slowly being laid low by mental illness, um, which is kind of a very modern theme. And I'm not saying it's handled, like, super sensitively, but it, it, it <laughs> is a good storyline, you know, like... It's kind of not played for sort of like pity party stuff. It's done sort of quite coolly. Um, and then you've got Noon comes and goes and you've just got Dread blowing away um, zombies and he, he goes away for ammo and then a massive war crashes down on him and they think, you know, that that um, Dread's gone and that and the zombies have come into the mega city because the wall's crashed. So we've got some problems now. Yeah, it's hardcore. It is hardcore. Um, where's Dread? Where's Dread? For Grud's sake, where is he? He was right on the supports when they fell Spencer. He's had it. What an idiot that guy is. Like, how many people have ridden off Judge Dredd? And then out of it he comes. Away from the main battle, a zombie finds itself a tasty morsel. Looks good, huh? Don't forget the appetizer. And he blows the guy away. The skull blows away. <laughs> and then he's like, couple of ribs gone. This is Dredd thinking to himself. Um, and later on you find out it's a punctured lung that he's, that he's been uh, dealing with. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, so he's, he's laying it on. Uh, and he's like, the riot foam, I want the breach sealed right now. They they put the sealant on there, like the sort of, like, whatever it is, the plasfoam or whatever. Do we get a round of applause? Cut the bull fly, boy. Give him napalm. And then he burns out the, he, he burns out the wall. That's pretty good. Um, so he set up a huge fire. Um, uh, yeah, it's basically a wall of fire now, yeah, right? Yeah, it's great stuff. I mean, it's very apocalyptic. I, I, I reckon this this is a, this is a movie would actually really do well, you know, because it, it shows the judges pressed to the utmost, you know, it's 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 pretty much a military style, like it's a war at this point now, you know. Yeah, and kind of ups the stakes from the previous movie if they were to Fuck continue. Yeah. Hell yeah! Now we've got a sad moment here. Um, uh, Decker is one of Dredd's favorite judges. Uh, she was a cadet that that he guided through, and she's been in storylines before. And I'm really surprised that they killed her because they say 
Decker here, Dread. And he's like, Dread, you're going to make it? And she says, doubt it. They got in through the foundations. We right foamed the holes, but there's too many already. Any chance to back up? And he's like, not in time. She's like, I figured. And then they're all getting killed. She's run out of ammo. She says, ah, hell, see you on the streets, Joe. And she just launches the frag grenade and just goes red on the bike. Yeah, and I liked uh, her final line. I thought that was pretty cool. See you on the streets. Yeah, it's a great line. I was sad to see you go. I remember uh, reading this, and I was like, fuck, she's she's gone. And then he's like, he's best cadet, bar none. That's a big call from Judge Dredd, you know? Yeah, and for sure. Yeah, let's pause for a second here because for me, uh, as a young reader, uh, you're grappling with death. You know, death may not have infiltrated your real life yet, but it will uh, in terms of friends and family. But, like, you know, when, when I read this, fictionally, it hit me pretty hard. You know, and death, it's final. Uh, and, like, I don't think it's a bad lesson for the kids. You know, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, in this case, though, death isn't final, right? Because you come back as a zombie and then you get to eat everybody else. <laughs> well, but I mean, what kind of kid? Would you throw this to your kid now? How old is she? Three or four? No? <laughs> She's almost three now. I'd probably wait. <laughs> you know, maybe like nine or nine, ten. Nine or ten, you throw this at her and go, she, she raises it? She's like, is she coming back? No. <laughs> She's dead. She's dead. So see you on the streets. See you on the streets, Joe. Um, but even Dread, you see him, uh, and this is not a weak man, and, and he's slumped over his bike. This guy's like, oh, you need a tender, you're losing your blood. Get your drunken hand off me. Too many judges have died already. I want every inch of this wall rigged with incendiaries, firebombs, napalm, gasoline, anything flammable. Have it ready for sundown. A senior judge present, I'm giving the order. Burn the wall. And you see Dread there. You see the neck muscles rippling, or are they even just yeah. wrinkles, like... This this one's personal, isn't it? Yeah, you get that because uh, this this struck me as a um she she'd been in a couple of storylines and they're very good with this with two thousand days. So what they'll do is they'll set something up that you don't have to have read twenty years before. They'll set it up in the six months prior, if you know what I mean. Oh, I see. So yeah. you get invested. You're only a youngster. You get invested in this decker, and then they just tear it away, you know, and leave <laughs> you bleeding on the street. And but then it's like I like it's a bit of grit. Judge Dredd's like, okay, this now it's personal. We're going to burn the fucking wall. Um, great stuff. Now we flick to the next page, which is obviously the magazine, and again a very different Dread to Esquizara, But isn't that a beautiful looking Dread? Don't you think? Oh yeah, for sure. It's great stuff. Um, great colors. Do you want to take us through this 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 one? I feel like I've 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 taken us through about seventeen issues. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for doing that. My uh, allergies were bothering me, so oh, I was dear. kind of just letting you do it. But um, yeah, so this one, I'm just trying to refresh myself. All right, we're back with Johnny Alpha. Yeah. Back over uh, in uh, Japan, right? Yeah, Hondo City. Yep. Hondo City, and they're taking out a bunch of zombies. Uh, and there was this cool shot, which I didn't realize till you told me, but, um, uh, I want to read this part. He says, you are a law officer. No bounty hunter and a mutant too. You admit that I declare it, pal <laughs> mutant bounty killer from 60 years in the future. Ridiculous. Yeah. That lie detector in your right hands to do truth. Right. How? And uh, he says, let's just say I noticed things. So I didn't really know much about uh, Johnny Alpha yet, but I yes. inferred from what you said that he's got x-ray vision there. Yeah, that's a cool fucking image. Because it blew me away. I remember being um, young and reading this and going, what the hell? Why is that like a zombie? But I realized he's doing the um, 
the X-ray vision, so he's seeing the skeleton underneath. You know? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. And he actually, much like Superman, I believe it's a power he turns on and off. So I don't think he looks around all the time and sees that. I think he's sort of like, I think his eyes blaze red whenever he uses the power, basically. I think that's uh, okay. how it works. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would suck if he Just always saw that. So walking skeletons, walking dead. It's like the Bob Dylan song. I'm walking through streets that are <laughs> dead. <laughs> I don't know that one, but yeah, That's just like a good that. One. It opens up, opens up an album with that. I'm walking through streets that are dead. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bob's um, in a dark place. <laughs> um. So yeah, Johnny Alpha is telling you know why he came back, which yeah. is I guess there's a planet called Beth Beth Beth. Beth I can't say that. Beth. Beth, uh, Beth. Beth Sheber, I would say, which they did yeah. reference before, uh, a planet that he escaped from, Sabat escaped from, that obviously he killed. Um, yeah. yeah, it says a uh, paradise planet, clean air, deep blue seas, miles of jungle. It was perfect. And basically Sabat came in and he did what he's doing to Earth now where yeah. uh, I think two billion people died. It's in his nature, man. Can you blame a scorpion for stinging a human? I mean, it's in their nature. It's the bat's nature to kill. That's it. Like, he's a genocidal maniac, basically. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it seems like in the 2080 universe, yeah. like, when there's other planets, they're usually settled by Earth. Oh, like, yeah, right? a lot of the time. I mean, you know, I don't, okay. yeah, I don't think they get too deeply into it. It's just, uh, yeah, it's there, and then it's not there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, yeah, pretty so, good art yeah. when it shows the planet blowing up. You know? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, because yeah. they I, nuke I it. Sure, was that uh, was that the heroes that blew it up, or was that? Yeah, the crime commission twigged. He was loading because he was loading his zombies onto ships. So Sabat turned the planet into zombies, and then he was loading the zombies onto ships to basically invade the whole universe with zombies, which is pretty cool. That's taking a next level. Uh, and then they blew the planet up. Um, oh. But he butchered his way into a time displacement unit and hopped back here, so he escaped the the death of the the you know the destruction of the planet uh, with nukes by escaping to Mega City One, which is pretty cool. Okay, I got you. Um, yeah, so then uh, they're going to have an international meeting of judges in Hondo City, and uh, the Japanese judge mm. invites Johnny Alpha and asks him if he heard of Dread. Yeah. He's like, yeah, kind of, and that was a pretty cool scene. You know, yeah. he's kind of afraid of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's cautious. He's wary. I think, well, I think right, wary. He's at least, wary. Uh, he's yeah, wary. He's, yeah. he had a traumatic experience almost, I feel well, like. Well, Dread knocked him down and almost captured him in that mission, which wasn't expected to be a tough mission. And so, yeah, he's like, okay, there's a heavy hitter there called Judge Dread. You know, there's a, there's a heavy fucking guy. Um and he won't have Wolf riding shotgun this time because Wolf's dead. Yeah. Pour one out for Wolf. Stenhammer. <laughs> I remember, um, do you remember, uh, I, I, don't know, I remember Stu saying how, how bad Wolf was done, like a stereotypical Viking. I was like, he was a Viking, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys read with Wolf before? The Killing. The We did The Killing. The one I'm going to do with you, we did it on the show ages ago. Oh, right. Um, it's one of my favorite storylines of all time, and and it's so fucking great. And Stu just didn't like it, and he was like, "I really, he really hated that Wolf was done as a stereotypical like Swedish Viking." I'm like, "He was a Viking, Stuart, in the story." <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> pretty annoying. 
<laughs> it's like, Dredd is a stereotypical tough cop. I'm like, he is a tough cop. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what, what don't you understand about Judge Dredd? <laughs> yeah, Batman's a stereotypical vigilante, right, dark yeah. vigilante. Yeah, it's like he's like a that. vigilante who only strikes at night. I'm like, yes, that's the fucking essence of the character. Is, <laughs> is Superman a stereotypical fucking superhero? Yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're on the part 10 here and we got uh, Pete Darty back and yeah. uh, and his heart here uh, kind of gives me shades of like uh, Isad Rivik or sure. Frank Frazetta or something like that at times yeah no definitely got that he, he sort of goes in between the two styles like he's not that madly impressionistic style we had from the other guy he's not as grounded as Esquizara, but I like it, man. I, I think he kind of weirdly humanizes it and he's a really good fit for a horror storyline. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cool. with him, it's less of a war scenario. Esquizara is doing a big wide scale war battle scenario. This is kind of more haunted house. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, that's How about comparison. this? One of my fucking greatest uh, things is when chief judgment, you got Hershey and you got, Dread together, almost backs to the wall. They are backs to the wall. And she says, this is it. And he's like, screw him, last clip. And then you hear this, Dread, Hershey down. Eat hot drinking lead, you worthless bags of woman. And you've got Chief Judge Ben Gruder on the big weapon. And you just look at her, just blazing, man. Yeah, that is pretty cool. It's and it's perfect. almost like it's shooting light, but it also looks like it's... Sh- you know, Energy. putting out um, yeah. casings. That's a good point. And um, I think they were just going for the cool factor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, like, how she doesn't blow away Dread and Hershey, I'm not sure, because that looks like a fairly uh, high-impact weapon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, luckily it doesn't, luckily doesn't blow away her two best judges. <laughs> yeah. But kills all the, or kills all the um, units. I do like the concept of... Um, the the whole it's very a western feel like we're almost out of ammo this is like the last stand you know there's a lot yeah, of that, that in this storyline cool. there's yeah, a lot of that other, in this story you know yeah the third judge there even gets you know killed yeah well there's a bit let's face it like if you're not a named judge you're almost just a red shirt in um hey, I was in star trek you know if you, if you haven't got a if you haven't had a at least a one part or a two part with dread before this storyline you're on shaky ground <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah she tells them about the meeting in Hondo yep so now everybody's kind of heading to the same place which it's cool it's it's about time they all got together I love it I love it I love it when it goes international and this reminds me that I'm going to read a lot more Dread Magazine uh, because I love the whole world concept of the judges like it doesn't always have to be about Dread himself it's like some of the other judges are pretty cool and you know and they have to they take Justice 1 which is kind of like Air Force 1 you know, in the you know current time period, this just one is is the presidential kind of ship, um, and they take that up. So is um, is the chief judge kind of like the president? Yes. Then yeah. would you say in okay. in in Mega City One, it's it's not a democracy; it literally is a police state. And if you're looking for the ultimate authority, it is the chief judge. You know, interesting. Uh, they do have like councils and mayors and stuff, but they're sort of more bullshit. Like so, yeah, you know, ceremonial. Yeah, they're they're there, but they're, but in terms of the, it is a police state run by the run by uh, the judges. You know, that's the trade off for security, my friend. When you get to the far future, uh, <laughs> learn, learn to salute the flag and and, and yeah. you know don't break the law. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we get an encounter here between Dread and Johnny Alpha. He says, huh, so what happened to the fat creep? Yeah. You here too? And he goes, you, he had a name, damn it. He was Wolf Starhammer. Straight that's his there. problem. He <laughs> must be in, like, Flynn with the locals. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Alpha, but once this is over, you and me are going to have words. And Alpha's like, any time. And his eyes are yellow. So I think we're getting clarification. The eyes are yellow and they're not red. Um, but I do like the way that, like, there's a little bit of, um, there's a little bit of, I like Dread, though, when he's like, may I present Johnny Alpha? And Dread's like, what the hell? This punk's one in a mega city one. So to murder, judge assault, kidnapping, uh, <laughs> it's like Dread takes time out from the international crisis to do it, you know, because to him, Johnny Alpha was just like another um, another perp who got away, yeah. you know? And remember at the end of it, Dread's like, case not closed. <laughs> yeah, I want that's this creep. That Dread would take pretty personally. Yeah, Dread's like, I want this creep. <laughs> I love it. It's just, Dread is just that time so petty, you know, like he just can't get over the fact that some guy got away. You know, <laughs> I love it. Like, you almost get the feeling like Dread wants to arrest him then and there and put him in the cubes and, like, fuck, fuck this guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, regardless of, you know, whether they need him or not. Yeah. We have the council then that's going on and then it all comes down to Earth power and we kind of get the explanation, which I always thought was a bit bullshit, but it's fair enough for the storyline. In Britsit, they call them Dragonlines. In Sinosit, Feng Shu, in Oz, they are Songlines. But there is a network of energy running beneath the surface of our world that can be tapped, and it is immense. Um, and, you know, I'm sort of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, this is a classic 2008 fucking thing. The amount of 2008 storylines that mention these kind of lines between the Earth, and I'm sorry, I'm yet to be convinced they exist, but I do like the way that they, <laughs> they play with it, you know. So I guess that was something I wasn't familiar with, though, is in, do British people call the dragon lines? I don't know. True? Uh, look, okay. I, I what I do know is that Pat Mills, who's one of the biggest writers at 2000 does a lot of storylines about ley lines and stuff like that, which, like... Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, I'm not a big fan, but, like, I know, really, from 2000 that there are these legends, that there are these lines of power between the Earth, Stonehenge, and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's kind of mythical. To me, bullshit, but it's good fiction, you know? Interesting. Okay. For, for fiction, I accept it. In real life, not so much. Yeah. So um, yeah, so they've got this international meeting, and then Sabat comes. He just pops comes. up, doesn't he? he? Just pops yeah. up in the in the thing, and you see everyone draw their guns. Dread, Alpha. Um, I'm not sure who. We see Bruce. Everyone's picking up their guns, drawing their guns down on him, and then he, actually, I think yeah, Dread pegs him in the in the head. Yeah, he says, uh, <laughs> I have profane, or I hate profanity. I'm here to make you people an offer. It's very reasonable. It's a quick death. And he says, oh, no deal, creep. Gets him right between the eyes. Yep, but he just plucks the bullet out. Uh, and then he's like, now I've got your attention. And he basically, he starts talking, where are the judges of Mega City 2? Or Sinosit, or Jakarta, which is obviously Indonesia. Um, is Southam City in the house? How about Brasilia? They're dead. These towns are boneyards. All that's left are more corpses add to my legions, billions of them. Um, I want this world. I want to do here what I couldn't do in the future. I want an undead army. And with it, I'll get what I've always wanted, the galaxy. Uh, so if you've any sense at all, you'll nerve gas your cities and then top yourselves. Believe me, you won't like it if we do have to do things my way. Um, and then they, 
check and that all those cities that he's talked about have been lost or are no signs of life and dreads like them we nuke them you're crazy dread that's over two billion people you see alpha just like reclining back you see chief judge magruder almost looking in agreement in god's name man they can't all be dead but they're going to be we can't save them those cities are gone they're nothing but zombie factories now providing troops for sabbat's assault on us and we'll never hold that many back i love it and then he's it all comes down to this it's a hard decision to make, but we have no choice. We have to judge because for all of us, this is Judgment Day. Uh, yeah, there you go. Say the name of the movie in the movie. I love it when <laughs> they do it. And uh, I love the way it just focusing on Dred's helmet. And you can just imagine him saying, this is Judgment Day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I was also surprised they killed off Mega City 2, essentially. You know, that seems like a big one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, um, I'd forgotten they did this, actually. I, I totally had forgotten that other... Se- I think they were just trying to up the stakes, you know? Yeah, I, I sure. think this period in 2008 AD was a period where it was kind of after the peak, if you know what I mean. Like, the comic had peaked. Yeah. Everything had peaked. Uh, this was kind of the new era, and um, it did go through a hole, and Dread was the only one of the only things that, that kind of kept them going in the 90s. And I think this was a case of, like, the bigger the better, and so we're going to start killing off some of the cities. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. Mega City 2 is not in a ton of storylines, but it is it is a major city, um, so it's craziness. Yeah, I think I remember, uh, you know, uh, Cursed Earth, doesn't he go to Mega City 2? So, yeah. I think that's where he winds up at the end, when he's crawling yeah. through, remember? Barely. Um, yeah, he like at the end of it, he's like crawling through all the way there to to get the vaccine or whatever it was he was getting. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and then and then there's a hilarious one when he comes back to Mega City One and he hasn't got his judge license yet, and so he lets all the crimes happen until he gets his license, and then he goes out. Oh and yeah, he, yeah, he goes out on a massive like crime busting spree. <laughs> I remember Stuart had some adverse comments which weren't welcomed. You know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, okay, so it's Judgment Day, man. And um, then we go back to this beautiful art style, which I love. And you see uh, the sun rose on Mega City 2 at 550. It sparkled like a shower of gold on the sea, cast a rich array of pink and orange on the giant, giant glass and towers, banished the darkness of the night for another day. At 551, it rose again. And you see the, the nuke go off. And I was like, fuck, okay, you know, this is what we're doing now. We're nuking cities. Yeah. And they nuked Jakarta, and they know they nuked Sino City, which was the Chinese one. And you see the East Bank judge there above him, like with the sickle. Um, yeah, it's craziness. It, it is. It is. It is nuts. The greatest act of genocide the world has ever seen. Wow. Yeah, which is like you know these are the heroes. What What about this panel? What do you think the decision was here? They say Hondo City, and it's in black and white, like it's still in pencils, it almost looks like. It doesn't look like it's inked. Why is that? Is that just a stylistic choice, and then you splash the blood across it? It must be stylistic, don't you think? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. It's pretty nuts. I like it. I like it a lot. It's just very sort of... Yeah, it's 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 just very sort of... Um, uh, it's very artistic. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's artistic. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of a lot of? Simon Bisley's uh, artwork on Lobo. Um, some of his Lobo stuff had a similar style to this. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not aware. Well, you should be aware. I don't know why you're not aware. Yeah, um, yeah you're not a Lobo fan, are you? 
I'm not huge on him. Like, I like yeah. when he showed up in 52, I thought he was fun, but like, oh, come you know. On. But that's the lamest of all. Like, what about the 90s, man? Like, Have you read the 52? Uh, I've read, I've read a half of it. I've read a half of it. We've done half of it on the show. We haven't finished it off yet. I, I don't think he's in the first half. <laughs> no, I don't think he's either. We've, done, <laughs> we, we've been doing this show for five years, and I've only halfway through that fucking 52. I mean, it's uh, pretty great. So. No, okay. All right. Uh, then we get to probably, I'm going to say this, I think the scene that's coming up is the scene that I know as a reader. I'm a, a 14, 15-year-old Davey, and I'm hungry for the for the rematch of the century, which is Dread versus Alpha. And we finally are building up to it. And first off, we get a great moment with Sadhu, who was also a good judge. And you see, um, see you in the morning. What the hell is Sadhu up to? Um, says Johnny Alpha, and he's watching him. Sadhu, this is a Mega City One cruiser, but it's in a Honda City spaceport, and I have been looking for you. And Dred's like, uh-huh, I get it. And the artwork here is great. And it goes, the last time we fought, you lost deliberately. I don't know why. But then you, Occidentals, understand little of honour. I want your best, Dred, now. You want, you got. And then Dred just whacks him with the, with the, is it a nightstick or a daystick? I'm never sure what they're called. But anyway, he just whacks him on the, across the face, takes off the helmet, Busts open the cheek. You've got to be some kind of meathead picking fights at a time like this, Sadhu. That's that's what's the matter with you yokels. So much pride and honor, bull, you can't do the goddamn jo- job right. And then, he, so he's got Sadhu where he wants him, and then suddenly we get it from behind him, Dread. Why don't you pick on someone your own size? And you see Johnny Alpha there, uh, you know, silhouetted by the red. Do you like that? Do you like that shot? Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, this this whole section here, uh, does feel like Bisley. So if that's what you meant, then yeah. And you've got... Now, I I read this so many times because I'm trying to get in the head of this fight because to me, this was the big fight. All his life, he's been on the edge, a blaster in his hand and a sea of blood at his feet. The most lethal strontium dog to ever to stalk the galaxy. And, and that's Johnny Alpha. But him, they carved him from iron and gave him a heart of stone. He's done 35 years on the streets of the Big Meg and before that, 15 in the toughest school on earth. In 15 years, you could teach a man to do anything. And then there's the fighting. And I, I, I'm examining the fight. So there's a swing from Alpha with some weird art that I can't even tell it's Johnny Alpha. I, I, I don't understand what's going on with his head there. Then Dredd gets him. Then Dredd gets him with a left hook and a knee to the face and crunches him into the ground. And I was like, seriously? Like, Johnny Alpha can't even land a blow? And they did. Then you see Alpha... Whack him one, but it only says whap. So I don't think that's a huge hit. It looks like a neck hit. Then Dredd blocks it, and then then he's choking Dredd, and Dredd's got his hands on it. Magruder to Dredd. Hondo City boys reckon they've cracked it, Joe. Sabat's been found payback time. And then Dredd's like, well, kind of lucky for you two, huh? Now, I will say this. Johnny Alpha does put up more of a fight than Sabat, and more more of a fight than Sadu. He does get a shot on him, and he does get his hands on the throat. Um, what's your impression of the fight? Yeah, I mean, I think he... Let's see, he takes a bow. Yeah, I mean, he really doesn't get much of a it's upper one. hand on Dread at all. No. Yeah. No. Scrappy, though. I don't like the... like I, I mean, I love Judge Dredd. And I like that Dredd is the better hand-to-hand fighter, but I think Alpha should have had one scene where he had a similar scene to the face crunch. You know? Yeah, I agree, because really that whole first page is just dread. Dom- you know. Dominating. 
beating the crap out of him. Yeah, yeah like, uh, I just think Alpha is good enough fighter to have got more of a lick in. Like, he does get that 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 punch on Dread. Whap isn't exactly, you know, a massive punch, considering some of the punches Dread's laid out, you know? Yeah, though, you know, it ends with both of their, you know, hands around each other's throats, it looks like. So, in the end, yeah, it seems like they're kind of... Yeah. I like that Alpha's still standing. I would have liked Alpha to play one of his tricks, and I would have liked a panel where Alpha had the upper hand, at least in a panel, so you kind of felt like it was two prize fighters going at it. Yeah. Which is what it is. Um, All I can say is, out of all the 2000 Day of a Red... And magazine, I reckon this was the one I read most. This this, Mm. these pages because I would just study the fight, and I was looking, I was looking, I wanted more. I wanted Alpha to have a bit more in the tank, you know. It is probably also the best art in uh, the entire, Mm. you know. I I, I think it is. It looks, you know, a bit better than what we were seeing before, even within the story. No, it is good shit, man. It is fucking good shit. Now, anyway, so then we... That's really just an interlude that I think's there for the fans who are just begging for it. Don't you think, man? Like, I was... Oh, yeah. I wanted this fight so bad. <laughs> and th- But that panel where... I just want to reference it where he says, why don't you pick on someone your own size? That is brilliant artwork. You know, and you just see the silhouette of Alpha. You see the gun and everything in the eyes. And it's just like... Yeah, oh, yeah. are we supposed to have the idea, I guess, that he's, you know, a lot bigger than the... Uh, Chinese guy or Jap- Japanese guy? I, mean. I don't know. I mean, maybe, yeah. I, 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 I also want to say reputation as well, you know? It, yeah. Like, it's size, but the size of your rep. Like, this is... If, if Dred's Tyson, this guy's Holyfield. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're two giants of the game come to clash, and believe you me, by by 92, the fans needed it. You know, we Johnny Alfred had been killed awfully in the comics a couple of years prior, we were still reeling with the loss, you know? And we were still trying to make sense of it, why they did it. And to get these, to get Alpha in this storyline was a gift, really, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, now, I mean, I obviously, I've put a lot of energy into that description. Uh, I'll let you take over for uh, part 13, which is kind of the start of the comeback. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, we were through them being in each other's throats sure. now we're, you know, you, you gotta fight the villain. Yeah, um, right. yeah so this is back to Carlos Esquire, uh, whatever. Esquizar, um, I think, yeah. Yeah, Esquire. Um, so, they, yeah, they're formulating the plan. Um, and uh, basically it's decided that Dredd's gonna lead, you know, these soldiers from all over. I really like the, uh, mm. I think he's Scottish or Maybe he's Irish. Oh, Judge Joyce, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Judge Joyce. He's Irish with the... Um, I, and don't forget, uh, Garth Ennis is Irish as well. I um, thought he was... Is he Irish? I thought he was Scottish. Uh, Ennis, definitely Irish. Yeah. Okay, I know that's actually... <laughs> they don't really like to get confused, do they? Oh, he's definitely Irish, uh, Garth Ennis. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was saying is, to me, they seem similar, but I think to Irish and Scottish people, they don't really like when people confuse them, do they? Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same with Welsh. They don't really like each other? It's, I, I don't think they don't hate each other, but they're all very um, okay. they're all very distinctive. So Welsh, Irish, Scots, they're all, you know, their own people and stuff. And, and it's easy for uh, uh, someone outside the UK to get it confused, 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was talking to a, a, a Welsh guy at work, and I said to him, is that, is that accent Welsh or Irish? He goes, yeah, Welsh from the valleys. Uh, and they've got their um, own accent and stuff. So so anyway, the, I like the way they're going to have these kind of combat suits to go in. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it almost gave me like a RoboCop vibe. Yeah, for sure. I would say it's it's RoboCop dialed up even, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. I, I like the uh, RoboCop 2, mm. uh, you know, thing. But anyway, uh, Johnny Alpha knocks out the Irish, I think the Irish one, and takes his place um, because uh, Dread doesn't want to have him along. Um, but they uh, drop down from, above, from an airplane. Yes. And they're able to kind of take dispatch the... Uh, Zombies pretty easily. Great artwork on the one. I like the way they've got their name tags on their on their suits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, well, that's dread because otherwise we'd be screwed, right? Yeah, you've got dread, and you do see him blasting away the zombies. It does look awesome. And did you mention that Johnny Alpha's taken over Judge Joyce's spot? Did you mention that? I think you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And he's got there's ten million creds on Sabbath's head. That this is better be worth it. Um, so yeah, Dread is just annihilating. Um, it, it's awesome. I, I fucking love it. Fire in the hole now, straight through the caves, and we kind of get the feeling like, oh yeah, we're getting there now. We're 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 going right after the main boss now. Um, and then there's a the moment where it's like, um, uh, Alpha in in Joyce's uniform saves. Uh, who is it? He saves. I think it's yeah, it's Bruce who who gets his torn off. He's the Australian judge. He gets his uh, helmet torn off. And he said, thanks, Charlie. Thought I was going to be turning up me toes up. And he's like, here, hang on a mo. You ain't Joyce. And Dredd's like, alpha. <laughs> and like, Joyce is out for the count. You'll have to shoot me later, Dredd. I'm kind of busy right now. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I like it. Like, in moments like this, Dredd is a pragmatist. He's not going to arrest Alpha in the middle of a firefight yeah. against zombies, you know? <laughs> yeah, in times like this. If it, was a, if it was just like a notch lower, he might go for it, but not, not this time. Not this time, um, yeah. But our villain has captured um, one of the soldiers. I don't remember when that was. Uh, let's see. He he captured one of the South American judges. And the South American judges are famously depicted as like massively corrupt. Always, oh, okay. always. Their Mexico City, whatever they call it, uh, Banana City is the slogan. You know, the slang term is is like a massively corrupt version of it's kind of like the stereotype of like the corrupt Mexican administrations and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, you've surely seen this storyline played out a million times, like, you know, like the, the corrupt Mexicans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're basically he's going to cooperate with the villain and help him get the upper hand. What a fucking prick, uh, though, as well. Can I say that? Like, what, what a prick. The, the, the villains are literally zombies and stuff. And taking over the world, and this guy's going to turn coat? Like, really? Does he think that that's going to work out for him? Well, not even that, but then after he does, like, attack with the villain, Mm. well, we'll get to it later, but he's, like, laughing like he's, you know, he really turned over this (laughs) evil leaf. (laughs) Yeah, and he he pays for it, too, which I like. Um, Then there's a good scene... So you've got here. He's about to. He is about to be killed with the spikes in the coffin. So it would have been a yeah. excruciating death, um, which is kind of funny. Uh, then we have a good scene in Mega City One. Uh, the West Wall has been burned around as a flaming barrier to the zombies. They're in. No way we can keep out a thousand miles. Uh, no way we can keep a thousand miles of wall burning, Hershey. We've had it. And the guy's name is Gaylord. They brought us a day, Gaylord. Now quit whining and start shooting, or I'll throw you to the zombies myself. <laughs> 
<laughs> and she's just like killing. I love that as well. Like it's pretty awesome. Um, so we've got here. Then we've got. Uh, is it Bruce? Is it Bruce? Uh, yeah, it's Bruce. She says, "Get to cover all of you. I'll do it." Brilcream, I have nothing left to lose, Dread. Tell that foxy babe Hershey we could have made the Earth move together. And then he he shoot he kills himself. And then uh, Dread's like, "I'll try to remember that." Um, and I was uh, going to say actually that was the Hershey scene I was thinking of earlier where I yes. liked her. Yeah, where you liked it. Yeah. No, it wasn't Bruce. Bruce is injured. Um, and he's like, I'm sorry, Alpha's saying, I'm sorry, Bruce. I know, mate, you can't expect to save my life twice in one day. Tell you what, Alpha, you're not such a bad bloke for a pom. And then, and then Alpha's like, gone. Only six of us left now. Yeah. Um, thought I ordered you off this mission. That's, that's Dread. Po- you notice pointing at Alpha? Still got a point to prove, Dread. He's all about the law. Even in the most darkest of times, he's still like, I thought I off, or you ordered you off. I've come along. I've come way too far on this job to drop it off because of some local cop. You got a real nasty habit of getting on my nerves, Alpha. <laughs> 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 I love it. I just think it's awesome that even at this point, Dread still pointing fingers and you know telling people the way it lies. Because kind of yeah, himself, but he, you know? he's also like, yeah, I probably need help. <laughs> um, now then, we get to um, there's a good scene here where this guy comes in. Um and says that they can. Uh, this is a good excuse to get them out of out of the out of the suits because so the guy comes in and he says, uh, "Quickly follow me. I've got the you know lead on Sabat. Uh, the fissure is too narrow for the battle suits. Leave them in hurry." And Red says, "This doesn't smell right. These Banana City cowboys are tricky creeps. Watch him." Um, okay, so this is the guy that he had captured then, right? Yes, and and then this guy comes out. And then he's like, meet Sabat's little pets, my friends, the Sharnaks. I'm sorry about this, but my life is a little more important than yours. Oh, what the hell? I'm not sorry. He's like, ha, 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 ha. And uh, don't gloat, Corzo. It doesn't become you. And he Dredd just shoots him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if Dredd's the right person to be bragging to, you know, like while he's got a gun in his hand. Because Dredd will annihilate you if you're going to, you know, talk smart to him kind of thing. He's not the, he's not the guy to trash talk, really, you know? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, then on this next page, and we kind of go from it being like really dark and atmospheric with the yes. previous artist to yes. Escara, where it's a lot brighter, which was interesting, but you know, it's fine. It, it is uh, fine. I, I'm not a fan of the... I, I'm sure this has been brought up before on um, you know many a, many a review site. I love the fact that Stronium Dog's in his classic uniform. See that uniform there? That's classic Stronium Dog. We're, we're, you're finally seeing it as Carlos Esquizar is supposed to be drawing it. It's not okay. impressionistic. That's how the uniform looks. That's the figure I had, man, which I loved and I lost. And uh, in the words of Frank Sinatra, regrets I've yeah, had a I few. Yeah, I saw a figure. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, I looked. I was looking at a figure earlier. I'm sure it's probably not the one that you had, but there's some nice-looking figures of uh, Stronium Dog. Yeah, I might look again, man, because I'll just replay my own comment. Regrets, I've had a few. Um, that's one of them, you know? Uh, do you have a, um, a Dread figure? Do I? I don't think so. I they There's not a ton of them. Um, no, I don't. I had a Stronium Dog. There is a Judge Dread Mike McCann figure, which I could get, but I've never come across the perfect statue. I did have a bobblehead Dread. And that, that lasted many, many years before it broke. It lasted a long time. Um, huh. But I definitely, if I was buying another figure, Statue Dread is one of the ones I'd be looking out for. If I could get Dread and Stronium Dog uh, together in their classic uniforms, um, 
which, I mean, are always the uniforms. I would get it for sure. Um, but anyway, now, I want to point this out. Uh, real quick, I was going to say this, uh, this figure by, it's called 3A Toys. Uh, okay. looks really nice. Just okay. a flat. Right. Australian dog. What kind of price tag are we looking at? I don't know. I was trying to see. Uh, let's see. Yes. I don't know. Google uh, Johnny oh. Alpha 3A toys and All right. look into it. I'll look into <laughs> it. That's right. That's right. I mean, great character, Johnny Alpha. Now, yeah, there's an episode. I don't know if you've watched Spaced. You ever seen Spaced? Uh, is that the uh, Simon Pegg thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, it's it's okay. I'm not saying it's a great scene, but there's actually a, a scene in there where they mention Strontium Dog dying. In the in oh, the, that's cool. Yeah, they it, it, look. It's not the world's greatest series, but it actually goes up like two notches just for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the the nerdy references those guys make, and I, uh, you know, like the Edgar Wright movies. But uh, yeah, no, I never really got into Space, and find Simon Pegg pretty annoying, actually. Yeah, annoying. Did you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so do I. I mean, I, I, I found him more annoying as the years have gone by, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. his, um, when he, actually, one of those characters, when he lost all the weight and, and tries to get himself taken more seriously, I, I actually find him more annoying than when he was kind of more of a buffoon, you know? Yeah, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we, we have the scene here where, where they're blazing, and it's basically Dread and Alpha blazing away, going, enough is enough. Um, I'm oh, we not... have that kind of bizarre scene uh, where <laughs> uh, the villains all kind of break into song. It was kind of not weird. A, not uh, a fan. Not a fan at all. And in fairness, I think that's one of the most critically derided scenes in this storyline. And I, considering that I think this storyline has a lot of peaks, I, I don't think... When I'm reading it, I'm like, I, I think it's better than people give it credit for, but I do think that that singing scene, it does hurt it um, in, in, in that in that part. Now it's, I think it's forgiven by the amount of epically cool action scenes and everything else in the storyline. But I, if I'd been an editor, I would have said, no, Garth cut that scene. We don't need the zombies singing to dread an alpha in, in like the classic dread an alpha, you know, team up issue, you know? Yeah. Cause it's not really done in like a creepy way. It's done more in like a silly way. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. it's stupid. Um, it's it's totally stupid. After this episode is over, I'm gonna research and find that issue called a private contract that you're talking about. And was um, that the issue two thousand I was talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And I think it might be time to check that one out and um, get back yeah. to basics. And I think for listeners, I think the next one we're gonna do is dread and sorry, not dread. We're gonna do Johnny out for the killing, and then we might do Helter Skelter. We're gonna take cool. things up a notch, man. You know. Yeah. I've got a question for you. Uh, Judge Red, do you think he's real? And that we're reading kind of like the diaries from <laughs> another dimension? Because I, I kind of do, in my imagination. Oh, I'm certain. I'm certain. Uh, what, what about this? Why can't we have... I, I get that they're doing a live-action series, but what about unless they're animated? Like, this Fox Machina show on Amazon is pretty good. What about Dread done animated? Because I would watch the hell out of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, you know, also, you know, I always throw out Invincible as being a great animated Thank comic you. Book show. And you know what? Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, that is a fantastic animated show, and you could do Dread like that. And I think you could do so much justice to the storylines, you know? Yeah, I'd love so it. They should seasons. do it. Now, how about this scene where we've got uh, Magruder and the other judges looking at all the dead places around the world? Do you see all the skeletons? 
<laughs> yeah, all over, like uh, yeah. big parts of the world. Yeah, like yeah, no, Ohio's no. fine. It looks like Ohio's fine. Ohio's okay. Yeah, okay. Where is Ohio? It's on the. Is it on the west coast or? Like, no, Ohio's like uh, right underneath the Great Lakes. You know where the Great Lakes are? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, oh, okay. So it's way over there. So yeah, you're okay. And yeah. Sydney's okay. Uh, sort of where they've got a skull is not really a city. I guess it's kind of Adelaide, a bit to the left of Adelaide. So Adelaide's okay, but Adelaide's not okay. But um, but Sydney's okay. So yeah, but there's a few skulls going going on there, like. <laughs> A few bits and pieces. It's not great. No, it's not great. Uh, now, and then Magruder's like, fat, a lot of good we're doing here. If this is the end, we're going to go out with a gun in our hand. And then you see the other judge go, now you're talking. That's that's Joyce. Uh, you are correct, Chief Judge Magruder, where the Dreads team succeeds or not, our place is in battle to the border. Uh, and then we've got uh, Mega City 1, Judge Hershey. I'm busy, damn it. And you've got Hershey blowing away a zombie, like taking out the midriff. You'd have to be careful if you took out the midriff because the zombie would still be functional as his attacking her. Yeah, that's my concern is it's going to come down and, you know, land on her. But she's a tough That said, this isn't like uh, get scratched by a zombie, become a zombie type deal. So I don't I think it is, yeah. I know it's, it's a bit more magical than that. Um... Yeah, you are right. It's more magical. Like, Sabat raises the zombies from the dead, almost. You know? Oh, yeah. This is a quick uh, sidebar, I guess. But I only recently watched the two uh, 28 Days Later movies. Yes. Like, right before this. So it was kind of cool reading this right after that, just because I was in a zombie mood. They could have done with dread in those storylines, you know? What helped. Impacting really. some justice, yeah. I mean, you know? Um, and then we've got... Um, we've got... Uh, the bo- uh, a grenade goes off. Now, yes, yeah, uh, there we go. Sadu gets his arm sliced off by a zombie that's using a weapon. See, the arm actually goes yeah. um, down Sadu sharp. Um, and then we've got high explosive. And the number four cartridge, I believe, is the high explosive in Johnny Alpha's uh, uh, gun as well because he's got several guns, one that can go through walls and stuff. And number four mm-hmm. cartridge, I believe, is the high explosive. So they're both using high explosive. Uh, then Sadu's like, must cauterize. And Johnny Huff was like, hard man. And even Dred's like, mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I, I guess I wanted to ask you mm. your impression of this villain that sliced the guy's arm off. These aren't the regular zombies. These are like the guys that he was building, I guess. Yeah, they're sort of more the sentient ones, the ones that are singing and stuff. Like, yeah, they're, they're the ones that he was saying, I've got to put some meat on the bones. Yeah, okay. So they're sort of more like his lieutenant zombies. Look, I really hate the fact that they had the singing scene because I think it's so stupid considering how cool these zombies are. I just, like, for me, I'm not one of these guys who's saying don't read Judgment Day because of it. I just think it's a misstep, you know? I, I still think it's a really good story. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, it was like... Uh, Bit of fun. Yeah. It doesn't take that much away from it. No, it's fucking exactly. I was reading this... Like yesterday, I was like, man, this is great shit. I haven't read this since... It's awesome when you read a story that you haven't read since 1992 that you remember but don't certainly don't remember the basic... You, you remember the basics, like that Alpha's in it. But you're reading something, and I'm like, man, this 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 is good shit. You know what I mean? Like, there's far lesser storylines that I've read, you know, in fucking comics more often than this. And I'm like, sometimes I, you know, you, you just forget how good the classics are. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially for them to hold up, you know, sometimes, you know, I have good memories of things, and then I'm like, well, it's really not that good, it it's that just good, that yeah. I liked it at the time, you know? Totally, but yeah. Totally. it's good when they hold it up. I don't mind thinning out my um, 
because my collection's pretty big, I don't mind sitting out my, my collection of stuff that I read again that I don't like. I'm kind of like, oh, I can get rid of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a nice point. thing rather than holding on to it. Like, it's almost like holding on to a bad memory. Just let it go. For yeah. sure. I always say to Rich, Rich, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. Do you want any of it? He always says yes. So, I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> often I'm upgrading as well. I'm like, Rich, do you want this? Like, just fucking take it. Get rid of it. I don't want it. I'd love to have someone around here that, you know, was interested in that kind of stuff, but nobody. No? Really? Can't give them away, dude. Can't give them away. Really? You don't have, like, a little comic pal nearby? No? I have in the past, but, yeah. you know, nobody that's really stuck around. Take it into the extra mile, you yeah. know. No, fair enough. And, I mean, you know, these days with the internet, you you, you need them less. But yeah. um, how about how these these um guys come out that are sort of skulls on, like, sort of hands, and they're, like, kind of like, I don't know, spiders, but skulls? Yeah, those were pretty creepy. You can just imagine them lumbering around with their big uh, arms. Even Dred's like, Dred's like Storm, and then he's like too many Drucket, and then and then the, even Sabat's like, so who's laughing now, Cloak? I kind of like that. Um, see, the next scene is weird because it has them fighting, and then the next scene they're actually captured. Yeah, we really don't get to see them, you know, taken down. Yeah, and they're singing and stuff again. Um, for me, this was Garth Ennis getting a little. Um, I think he thought. I think he probably thought this was going to be funnier than it actually was, where they're singing "Wizard of Oz" but they're getting the words wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't you know, really like it. Either. I didn't like it much, but I did like when Sabat tells his origin story. And do you want? You can take over for the origin because I thought this was actually a pretty good origin, personally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I felt like there were some parallels, like I said earlier, with the Judge Death stuff a little bit. But sure. uh, yeah, so basically, he was a kid that was bullied. Um, just because, you know, he was, you know, trying or excelling in school, uh, and all these kids are like, kill him, and he's going to beat him up, uh, but he runs into an old witch or something, yeah, like a witch, yeah. and she kind of cheers him up and, you know, tells him about magic and shows him what you can do with magic, and she, she seems actually a bit more innocent than, uh, you know, she's not like an evil witch, uh, but she's going to help him get back at him but he decides he wants to take it further yes um and so he throws her into her kettle one day uh kills the bully with a voodoo doll mm. um resurrects the bully yes it's like killing was like the easy pet. part killing was the easy part yeah. it was what came next that, that soppy really enjoyed <laughs> yeah so that was really creepy especially you know it kind of was odd because he seemed like a normal kid but then you know this power just kind of corrupts him went right to his head you know yeah well i mean she was more of a it village like, witch. Yeah, he even has like a little dog house yeah she was more of a village witch yeah. you know doing little spells and shit but she but he got into the black black magic you know yeah yeah it's pretty cool it was uh weird seeing him with his little dog house that was kind of funny yeah um, and, and yeah, he, he yeah just, it's awesome you know <laughs> yeah he, he just becomes like a little terror uh, he even goes and finds uh, Murd the Oppressor, mm. which I thought we knew from the Cursed Child. Yeah, did we do? Did we? I was trying to remember. Did we do the Judge Child quest? You and me? Yeah, yeah. What was it called? The Judge Child quest? Yeah, we did that. Yeah, and yeah, I remember yeah. that character. I don't really remember the significance of. I remember it very vaguely, and the and the way that. Um... This, of course, was before Bird ran into you-know-who. So you're right. Uh, and I actually had forgotten it myself. But, yeah, because it's been so, you know a while since I've done it. But, yeah, this was prior to her running into Judge Dredd. Yeah, which, I, I mean, I don't remember her being that 
big of a deal. Like just, you know, one of those yeah. characters he runs into, I think maybe tried to kill him with like a giant spider or something. Yeah. You know uh, what? That is ringing a bell. Now that, now that you say that. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, the design was very familiar, uh, but yeah, he basically uh, trained with her, which I guess now, I don't know if that's a, like a little bit of a plot hole, but uh, hold on. Let, let's read this. Eventually, after Soppy had learned all he could from Baggy Brooks, he left Osborne World, the faithful den, always at his side, and found his way to the planet Necros. Mm. So what doesn't make sense, though, is that this is apparently while he's still in Strontium Dog's time. That's a good point. But, yeah, we know that Judge Dredd killed this character. Yeah. Um, yeah the, maybe yeah. she survived. Maybe it's a different... Yeah, I don't, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I don't quite understand that. Uh, other than, I guess you could say, maybe he had the ability to go through time and to another dimension, which is what essentially it is. It's not just time. It's also another dimension. Yeah. Um, Sabat had the ability to travel through time another dimension to train with her, then leave. Then Dredd kills her in his dimension which would make sense. I, I think, you know, I, we, you are right. If you, if you take it as con- continuity, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But if you take it as using a bit of time travel, then it's fine. I mean, either way, it's only a very minor point. I do think, though, that I'd have to disagree necess- that they're treating this as a separate dimension, too, because mm. we get the idea that Johnny Alpha has to come back to stop this character. Yes. I thought at one point that it was is... like, my future won't happen. No, it's... that that is a good point, and this is a debated point. Uh, but amongst two of those fans, you are right. You you are right. It's it's like, I I think it's left a little oblique about whether the future basically is the future as Johnny Alpha has it, the future, hundred percent of Judge Red. The answer is no. I think it's a possible future. I think is how they eventually yeah. decided, but a, but a lot of this is not inside stories, if you know what I mean. A lot of this is speculation, and and like the publishers have never been sort of too, uh, you know. There's not a lot of official answers, but uh, you are right. If you if you just read this as a storyline, this is like Terminator, where Johnny Alpha is sent back from the future to you know um, save the present. And yeah. blah blah blah. So I don't know. I look. It, it's a hall of mirrors that has never really been answered. Um, and I think the official line is that Johnny Alpha's future is a possible future of Judge Dredd. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I think it doesn't really matter. But uh, no, it's, but it's interesting to speculate. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of like the idea of them being, you know, kind of in the same world. Uh, mm. It's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so he tells about his origin, um, and then when he wraps up, Dredd says, you're in deep trouble, Doughball. I'm giving you one chance to surrender. After that, you can take the consequences. And at this point, Dredd's still, like, wrapped up, you know, yeah. <laughs> pretty securely. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's pretty It's pretty funny that Dredd's still, like, you know, handing out the instructions. <laughs> yeah, he's a tough guy. Um, and then... Uh, we got the next issue, uh, part 18, and Sabat has this ball, which I guess, is this what he uses to channel the power from the ley lines or something? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I basically think that that whole uh, sort of crystal thing that he's on, is, it, that, is, that is the power source, you know? Gotcha. Yeah, like how he's tapping into the 
natural power of the earth or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, he says, by the by that time, okay, wait, I can do up to 10,000 without killing you. Should talk about take about three days. So he's going to death by as many cuts as possible. Mm, mm. By that time, my undead armies will have overrun your cities, and you'll be the last human beings alive in the world. Wow. So yeah, that's pretty intense. It is intense, and... Um... And it is it is crazy actually, and I love the art. Um, I, I love the art here as well. When he's like, "Whoa, tough guy, ain't eh? not a peep out of you," because because Alpha makes a small noise. And Alpha's like, and, but Dredd just takes it, and you see the blood running down the badge, and um, uh, basically it just it just goes crazy. There is only one way out, and he, and this is Sadu uses the sort of nunchucks, but he has a blade in the nunchucks. Yeah. Oh, is that what it was? I was trying yeah. to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, he's got like a sword. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he's got a sword, and then and then Dread kicks. Uh, you needn't think you're going anywhere, pal. Rips, um, and <laughs> it's crazy. And then you see uh, Sadu go for Hondu, and he and he puts the sword through himself into the lodestone. Who um, is Hondo? Is that his other Hondo City? For Hondo City. Oh, I got you. Hondo City is the city in Japan, and he sort of does a ritual sacrifice. Yeah, um, cool. And then you see, I still have my magic, and you go, me too. And you see Dread says, three billion people, you've killed your little drucker. Three drucken billion. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, not the face, not the face. <laughs> it's quite funny, actually. Um, and then we get a we get a, um, a moment where... Um, uh, so is that Dread hits him, <clears throat> and then Alpha comes across. Let's talk about Bethesda, um, uh, and he's like crunching him and stuff. And Sabat the Necromancer for unspeakable crimes against the people of this planet, I sentence you to death. And he puts the sword through him, and then weirdly Sabat just comes up, and he's like fully like just almost blood, arms and legs, saying no more, Mister Nice Guy. Yeah, like his veins or something. Um, yeah. Kind of reminds me of something from like the thing. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's pretty it's, cool. It, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, and he's saying how he dispensed with his body a long time ago. Then you see a guy. It flashes to Mega. It flashes to Hondo City with the judges, you know, all going down in a blaze of glory. And and Magruder saying, "You wait, you see, Joe Dredd hasn't let us down yet." And there's this one guy saying, "Doom, doom." Don't we, Doomsayers, didn't warm you, you heathen rabble. Doom is upon us, for today is Judgment Day. You've been a great audience, but I'm out of here. And then you see him actually just kill himself, and I'm like, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) All the Doomsayer stuff was kind of weird. It's pretty funny, though. But also, it's like, thanks to those for showing someone just blowing their head off. Uh, (laughs) And and, it's pretty funny. Uh, he's saying, you two doubles never had a chance anyway. See that lodestone? That baby stuck into this planet's soul. You wrecked. You wreck that, and the Earth's intrinsic energy field collapses. The whole mud ball will crumble. You can't afford to stop me, boys. Uh, don't don't know why you think you've got a right to defy a necromagus anyway. And then and Australian Dog's like, because you're a lunatic with a thing for corpses? <laughs> He's got like a smart mouth to him. <laughs> yeah. And um, basically, how does it happen? Just keep your filthy ideas to yourself. And then Dread drives his nose bone into his brain with a punch, kicks him. And, um, right, and then it's like, let's settle this stash. And we all know why you're here, Mr. Astronium Dog. When I finish Earth, off Earth, your future ceases to exist. I could nip out to Bethesda and do it all over again because I am Sabat, Lord of the Undead, and I will be so to the end of time. I am the once and future necromancer. 
And now you've got the scene, the classic scene, and I like this from Garth Ennis. Beyond honour, there is duty. Beyond duty, obsession. And beyond obsession, insanity. Beyond that, there is only Judge Dredd. I love that when I was growing up. That is really cool. Dredd gets the sword. Now we see the first appearance of uh, Johnny Alpha's power, and he basically gets uh, Sabat to think there's a strange feeling of the Reaper behind him. And so he's scared and distracted. He's like, no, not me. It's not my time. Eh." And in that moment, uh, Dredd comes up and slices the head off. Um, so it's cool that Australian Dog gets to use his power, which is essential in letting Judge Dredd get the, get the, you know, beheading, basically. I did think it was weird. Oh, okay. It, basically, earlier, his head, his body is destroyed, so his head detaches, and then yeah. now... Yeah, okay, know. yeah, that makes more sense. I thought he just cut his head off twice, and I'm like, why did it kill him this time? He sort of cut All his right. head off from the tentacles, you know? But you are right. But, yeah, but anyway, yeah. it was... a. Uh, even that, though, the guy's still talking and stuff. Um, uh, still alive, not for long, unless he gets a little more energy, right, creep? So he can't destroy the lodestone. Who says we have to, Sabat? And he just throws the... I was a bit confused by this. He, he puts the head onto the lodestone. You can't leave me here. The earth power and the stone will sustain me forever. Helpless. Tough. I told you, scumbag. The sentence is life. No remission. I was like, is it that safe to leave this prick, you know... Uh, alive on the lodestone of the whole earth could this not backfire yeah you'd think by him having contact with it that he'd have like some kind of power still you know well yeah i would have thought i mean i thought he was drawing his power from it like yeah. the whole time he hasn't even getting his power from it like i would have thought this could potentially have given him a ton more energy yeah it was kind of an odd I take know. also i wanted to say i know i remembered what else this guy having the spider body Mm. Head reminded me of. Did you ever see the Lost in Space movie? Yes, I, I have. Or seen the movie. I'm pretty sure there's a point there where his head like detaches from his body and he just has like uh, legs like that. Also, so, Darth Maul isn't. Doesn't Darth Maul become like a little spider creature or something in Star Wars after he loses? Yeah, I think he normally still has like a torso, but okay, yeah, yeah. I too. I, I'll never forget when we saw Solo and Darth Maul turned up, and then apparently, if you scan in, you could see that he actually had the spider legs going. <laughs> Yeah, they looked a lot cooler than I expected them to, though. Yeah. Um, That was actually my favorite part of that movie. Me too, by far. I was in the cinema, and the guy in front of me was like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) He was fucking very pumped up when that that moment happened. Yeah, not to get on a tangent, but uh, are we ever going to see more with that? Like, I heard he was going to be in Obi-Wan, and then they cut him out. They cut him, yeah. I know. I would have liked to have seen more of him. I was actually down for it, you know? Um, yeah, that was kind of cool. I was a bit disappointed. And then we have the final panel. So they, they put, somehow, that's the safest thing possible, to put his head on the lodestone, which I still don't think. Uh, and he's like, cute trick with the eyes. And uh, Alpha's like, I'm a mutant, remember? Uh-huh, you'll get a judicial pardon for what for what you've done. Once we reach Honda, you can go home. Don't let me catch you, but don't let me catch you again on my turf again. Savvy? And he's like, I savvy. Long way to Honda, Dread. Desert's going to be full of creeps and bushbackers all the way. Yeah, well, you tell me, Alpha, who the hell is going to mess with us? And there's that classic picture of the two of them, you know, together at the end, which is which is probably worth the price of admission for this whole comic. Um, it is one of the most iconic uh, pages in 2000 AD history. Um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah. And also just this idea of them marching out and they're going to have yeah. more stuff, but, you know, you know they can handle it after what they just 
kind of overcame, right? Exactly. Like they're just going to be generic, uh, you know, mutants and stuff. And I think uh, if you even want to ever to do like a follow-up storyline, there's a storyline when the two of them are together, you know, crossing the Radlands of Jai, whatever it's called, which is the oh, yeah, hardest. Cool. Yeah, I, th- I think there's an option there to have that storyline. But um, look, that brings us to the end of Judgment Day. I think quibbles aside from like the little bit about the end of the Lodestone and the singing zombies, okay, that might, might take a point off, but still a hell of a lot of fun. A hell of a lot of fun. What what are you giving it out of ten, Adam? Um, let's see. I would probably give it. I'd give this one eight and a half. Um, yeah. There was some things where I feel like maybe they could have done a little more with uh, Johnny Alpha. And yeah. That would have made the story a little better. Yeah. Or you know maybe not even made the story a little better, but just because I thought he was cool and I wanted to see more of him. He could have done with a, a few more scenes, I think. Um. He was there as a marketing tool. Uh, they were obviously marketing the magazine, but I think it was done really well. I mean, I'm going to give it a nine. I, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it. You know, when I read it again in one piece, I haven't read it since '92. I never read it again, um, for whatever reason. Um, but reading it again was a real pleasure. I think it's the best Garth Ennis Judge Red I ever read because Garth Ennis always talks down his Judge Red, but I, I actually think this is a really good story, and I think. There's huge chunks of this you could... You don't have to adapt the whole thing, but you could take huge chunks of this and make an awesome movie, you know? Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, mm. You know, I don't know if when they did it in a movie, they would do it at this scale, you know, with 2 billion sure. body count worldwide and all that, but uh, I kind of wish they would. You know, if they did, yeah, or, or do an animated, do an animated, do, do like a, a five-parter of this. This would be awesome, you know? Yeah, that's a real shame. You know, I'd love a animated series now that we're getting into this stuff and doing, I don't know, you know, the Cursed Earth and then doing this yeah, and different sure. things. Dark Judges, all sorts of stuff. I like. I do like the Dark Judges getting mentioned in this because it, it does seem like the kind of thing that De- Judge Death could be behind. But they actually say we've got the Judges contained and they're, they're, it's not Dark Judge related. Oh, um, I didn't catch that. That's yeah, cool. there's an early there's an early reference. Uh, we missed it on the read-through, but I, I saw it when I read it early on. When it happens, they uh, they check, and the dark judges are being contained ever since Necropolis. They were probably captured. So yeah, but um, I, I just think honestly, listeners, uh, to Dread or Dead, if you haven't checked this out, check it out. It's in Case Files seventeen, the full collection. Uh, I believe you can also get it in. There are trade paperbacks just of this that you can get from the Rebellion two thousand eighty store, and probably Amazon and the like. Um, but it is available in Case Files, Volume 17, in full. Um, and I really recommend it. I think it's a hell of a lot of fun, frankly. Um, any final thoughts to wrap this one up, Adam? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, you said Volume 17, and it looked like there's a lot of other interesting stories in there. I didn't get to read them, but uh, yeah, definitely it's check it out. It's good, good stuff. Now... Yeah, and that brings us to now. I do want to say thank you to all the Dread or Dead listeners. We're steadily growing. Um, look, where the 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 flagship show is Signal of Doom. Um, Adam and myself also do one called Legion Outpost. But if you're interested in Judge Dread and stuff, check out Signal of Doom as well. Because uh, you know, I, I I bring up Judge Dread whenever I can. Basically, I think he's one of the greatest. Next episode. You and I will do... Um, I will pick Astronium Dog Story. It might be The Killing. It might be something else. I'm going to have a think about it. But it will be a proper Astronium Dog interlude on Dread or Dead. Um, 
any uh, listeners out there who have got specific storylines for Dread or Johnny Alpha, whoever, you know, write into, the, write into Dread or Dead or Signal of Doom to me and and advise what you would like to, you know, us to cover because we're happy to do it and there's a ton of material. Um, so that's not a problem. We will also do this uh, this issue that you're talking about, um, issue 2000, whatever it is. We will cool. do that next time. It's, it's, it, obviously, it's only going to be a one-shot. It'll be very brief. Um, yeah. But it'll be fun to, ca- to capture that one as well. So, yeah, I do want to say... Oh, there is one final thing. There is there is a storyline, I think by Al Ewing, called The Americans, which mentions that um, they they scraped off some details from Johnny Alpha's mind about the future uh, in Mega City 1, mm. and they were trying to extrapolate from that. Like, so, you know, it's just a side story, like, about the special relationship they talk about between the UK and the US. And they're trying to sort of, like, basically use his memories of the future to sort of predict what's going to happen. Um, That's cool. I like Al Ewing, so it's cool that he, uh, yeah, you know, puts something together like It's that. very much a, a little side story, but it's good fun. But I, I wanted to mention that because, you know, you're not, you're not dealing with a lightweight when it comes to Dread. I thought I'd just drop that little knowledge pull there for listeners, you know. Oh, yeah, here I thought you were, a, you know, a, a lightweight with your own <laughs> Dread podcast. How funny is it that I was like, probably the most watched or read page ever was, was when Dread and Alpha fought. That was always a sticking point with me going through that, but that, going through that fight. And I would have liked to see Johnny R forget, like, one big blow in, you know. He got he got a punch. He did land a punch, but I think he can do a little better than that, frankly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it seems like um, uh, John Wagner might not have the same idea of the power leveling as you know you or I. Well, Garth Ennis. Well, yeah, but John Wagner was involved too, right? And he created yeah, both. Right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it'd be interesting to get Alan Grant's comments too. Because Alan Grant was yeah. a big, big writer on on that storyline. Mind you, it is tough to be a tougher street fighter than Judge Dredd. You know, in terms of street fighting, he is top tier. You know, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And, and to Johnny Alpha's credit, he didn't try to use his Powers. abilities. Should know? have, should have, Johnny. Yeah. You know, but he regrets that. Yeah, but he does. All right. Look, on that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Mm-hmm.